0: Let's rock! Hello, yes, Dan, I in here. This is the master of Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty. Dominic Green. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe
1: Sky. This is
0: Nick Fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the
2: IWTV Guide Podcast. And welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to Jerry Internet Wrestling Emporium. I'm Jared J. Hawk Hawkins, and joining me, as hallway, the, Fruit, who always knows where his towel is, Charlie Butter.
3: the answer is 42
2: and that's really all you need to know
3: yes uh so before we go any further i want to introduce our guest this week he is one of the best wrestling commentators in all of wrestling former voice of chikara wrestling is fun aiw gcw micro wrestling and most recently the lvac series of shows one half of at odds with wrestling mr joe sposto
0: thank you very much that kind introduction uh i've come to joke in more recent years especially with uh doing commentary for gcw and then dragon gate usa and evolve in the past it's like i'm the guy who's there before these companies really blow up um you know when i did gcw they were like they were in the back row of like like a, like a knockoff, like Chuck E. Cheese for adults, you know? <laughs> still having great matches, still having, like, Homicide vs. Nick Gage and stuff like that, but nobody was coming to the shows uh, just yet, and then I stopped doing the shows, and they blow up huge. Same thing happened with, like, Evolve, and, you know, crowd level didn't change, but, like, the profile changed, you know? Um, And then, you know, sadly, Chikara, there's a couple of years in between, but, you know, Chikara is uh, no longer no longer around, for better or for worse. But we'll, the memories will still remain. There's uh, however many years, as uh, Jayhawk mentioned, available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium for everyone to enjoy. I think I still have a login that works for Chikaratopia. I don't know if there's a difference between me watching stuff there or on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, but that's where I watch any of my stuff.
3: Right on. They have had so much. We and We did an episode with uh, Justin Summers. I want to say it was last year uh with the like the newest season that they had at the time and we watched like the first two episodes we really enjoyed it and uh Justin ended up watching even more of it and I don't think I went back and watched anymore and like by the time I was like getting around to it then everything kind of happened and I was like well maybe I won't but like listening to at odds and you guys doing the homework and and talking about shows and it made me really want to check them out again. And like, I never gave them the proper, uh, I guess I'd say respect on, on, with wrestling and stuff. And now that I have literally access to such a huge library, uh, I definitely want to try to watch more. Cause like what I saw on this show that we're going to review today was just awesome. Like I had so much fun with it.
0: So that's great that you mentioned that. Uh, and I'll ask uh, Jay Jayhawk. Have you ever watched Have you ever seen this show before? The particular one that we're covering today? I actually had not okay uh i don't so and again i I, well you know what um about the fans and the everything else uh if it's in your notes i don't want to step on anything too too soon uh but yeah i'm always so surprised when i find people uh that had never saw *Chikara* or even saw this show because you know at the time this was like one of the bigger shows for *Chikara*, kind of like the culmination of a lot of big things getting the uh first ever singles title In there, this kind of leading into, like, 2012, kind of having a loose partnership with Ring of Honor building toward the year, and then kind of everything building up to 2013 with the shutdown of Chikara, that whole storyline. And, you know, I, I take it for granted maybe it was because I was in the Chikara bubble for however many years it was. I just assume, oh, yeah, everybody's watching this, right? It's the hottest stuff in the world.
2: In fairness, I probably would have watched it live, but Go Fight Live was complete garbage at that point, and I didn't trust them to
0: actually keep the feed. So uh, it's not it's not this show, uh, but later on, 2012, we do our second iPay-per-view with Go Fight Live in June. It was from the Trocadero, and the uh, show almost did not happen because... The Go Fight Live people forgot a specific cable that they needed to hook things up so that it would be able to go (laughs) to the internet. And luckily Smartmark was there. I think Robles was there. And he like brought like his entire kit with him. And he's like, what do you need? He goes, I guarantee I have it. And like, luckily one, he did. And two, luckily they actually said something, you know because there had been so many instances in the past of them just be like, oh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, kind of a fly by night. They were flow slam before flow slam was cool. You know? Okay.
3: So I guess (laughs) my, my big thing with Chikara was like, I knew of them, but like when I was watching indie wrestling, it was CZW and, um, that kind of thing. And then I kind of got out of indie wrestling and just wrestling in general for a while. And I was like big into UFC Then I stopped that and I really didn't watch anything. And then I started getting back into wrestling and I want to say around this time, I knew, like, I would hear things, and, like, I saw, I remember seeing a a promo from Eddie Kingston talking about, like, how his wife and kid, like, left him, and I was just like, oh, man, that's so horrible, and, like, he he made me believe it, because I didn't know anything about Eddie Kingston, and, like, I still remember that to this day, but, like, and, like, just little things like that, and I think I watched some ROH at that time, and, like, I just never it was never easily accessible i think is what it was because like i would buy like czw tapes here and there or pwg tapes but like Chikara, like i just i didn't know enough people like in the company a lot of the times like or nowhere to start so it was like real daunting and it just wasn't also super easy accessible for like somebody that didn't have a lot of money to spend on wrestling so like now having it all available at my fingertips like it's it's amazing. It's so good to like, just be able to go back and run through stuff. And it's really, Well,
2: Chikara, Chikara around this time was big enough, even out here where Pro Wrestling Ohio actually did some TV taping and they brought come the Chikara guy in for the TV taping, mm-hmm. just to have Chikara guy on the show. Like actually where I met Bryce Brentberg for the first time. They brought him in along with hollow wicked jig on a couple of those guys. Okay. Oh yeah, I actually got the key company guy can perk and having never actually watched a Shakara show.
0: I know a little bit earlier than this time there was a carload that did uh, one of the absolutions for A I W where it was like Tursus before he was Tersus, Frightmare. Uh, and maybe two of the Colony guys. I know Frightmare for sure was there, uh, but Tursus before he was Tersus was one of the guys. Uh, so that would have been like, oh, 809, maybe. Um, and then Donst, of course, you know, he became like an AIW regular, mm-hmm. maybe about a year or so after this. Uh, but yeah, Jakar's biggest thing is is it's a daunting task to get involved with because uh, you know I, I, I'm not going to, I have to figure out how to reword this joke. Um, the lore sometimes of Chikara seemed to be like too much to understand. And that's why Chikara had all like the YouTube stuff where every day there was a new YouTube video of some kind dropping, whether it be like a match in full from like maybe like two or three shows ago or a highlight package or a primer on like this character or here's something setting something up for the next show that's gonna explain to you why without having to get those sort of things. But then even further still from there, now you have to follow a YouTube thing of watching a video every day to get caught up on whatever it is. So whether it be too daunting to get into, period, or too much to get in to get caught up on this next show. but I think that was maybe Chikara's biggest downfall. Um, there were, There is and was an audience that want all that backstory and all that stuff that we're going to show you something here in 2006 that seems to get finished in 2007, but then comes back around in 2012, um, where a lot of people are like, just give me a show. I want to consume this show and move on to something else.
3: I do like that, though. I feel like that kind of wrestling does have its place i mean obviously it it did for a long time so like I, i like that i like that concept like like you said though it is daunting to get into it but like if i decided to jump into it now i know i could always probably just message you and you could probably explain it to me if i miss something so
0: right and uh you know being that i lived it for the better part of like 11 or 12 years i absolutely can uh and do and will explain any and all issues with chikara
3: well,
2: and uh, we'll pro- and we'll probably be doing some of that during the review as well. Here, but yeah, I, yeah I, 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 I did I did some research, but yeah, you know, there's still some things I'm kind of like, okay, what is actually going on here? So we'll probably have some of that.
3: I just love the fact that, like, I think one of my favorite things I remember from like when I heard about Chakar and saw stuff from it was that there was. Uh, a colony of ants i thought that was the coolest thing like uh, such a smart like genius idea because you would never think to like it's something that you could totally make a stable out of because there's so many different kinds and then like you know it's so cool like it's i don't know like just something like that like uh, it, it really like just sparked my imagination because like even like bizarre Lucha did a similar thing where like they had like the uh there was a professor and he made like all these different creations and and stuff like that so you could have all these different wrestlers under masks and it was the same idea like I just I love the fact that like it that's that spark of just like you could have an unlimited amount of different people you could put under a mask with a different creation number and like just do fun stuff like that I think that's just awesome it really gets my imagination going in wrestling and i think that's one of the cool things about wrestling
0: yeah and i think you know you mentioned bizarro lucha of course and obviously chikara gets a lot of its influence from lucha and you know uh japanese wrestling and women's wrestling which you know again chikara was doing a lot of stuff outside of shimmer you know way before anything even if you go like back to shows in 2005 where like alice in danger is you know trying uh, you know, both in character and you know, behind the scenes of trying to get something going for the women, and it just mm-hmm. didn't happen because the East Coast didn't have the talent pool available to her. And, uh, you know, that leads to the Volcano Girl show at IW Mid South, and then that leads to Shimmer and everything else like that. But there's just people that even feel like, well, it's lucha libre and I don't understand Mexican wrestling, which is like such a like stupid, narrow minded, shallow thing to say or think in regards to wrestling. Um, you know, I, I'll watch pretty much any wrestling, whether I understand it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, if I under, if I understand it, then they did a great job, and if I didn't understand it, that's maybe on me, and maybe I need to watch more. You know, I, I've been a wrestling fan, um, you know, most of my living life that I had, you know, agency over my own self and could make decisions of what I wanted to watch or not watch, and I never got out of it, you know? I, I may have watched more during some parts and less during other parts of my life but you know always wrestling and i'm always looking for more and i'm always watching something
3: right on that's just yeah it's i love i love all the different things like we'll get into it more during the review too like there was just so many cool little things that like i want when i watch a show and um that that i really enjoyed and i think the only other thing i had from like chakar that i remember was during the um one last thing before we go, uh, get into other stuff, but like the, uh, documentary that Daniel, uh, Brian Danielson did, uh, on his like last, uh, shows coming up. And then like his little, like run at, uh, Chikara, like that they showed there. That was really cool to see too. Like, that's the only other like thing I really saw from Chikara at the time.
0: Was that the wrestling road diaries with uh, cabana? Yes yeah yeah okay that is really good i've watched
3: Um, that so many times like and i just oh yeah i loved all the different things in that and like yeah they also like touched on aiw and stuff which was really cool but like the chikara thing like really caught me and i'm like oh man like i should really get into them and i'm glad like i get the chance now and like it's really cool to, to have you on and be able to go over stuff so
0: well thank you very much again uh thank you for having me on thank you for letting me pick a show Um, you know, and this, this is one of those ones. It's like a season finale sort of show, but it's also, you know, first eye pay-per-view. So it's not only like an introductory pay-per-view, but it's also, uh, you know, kind of like wrapping up a lot of major storylines sort of thing, Mm -hmm. uh, hoping to get people to check out that back catalog.
3: Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we'll get into it a little bit here. I keep saying that let's get into what's on IWTV this week, and then we can actually get into that review.
0: What's on IWTV?
3: Okay, so Tuesday, August seventeenth at eight PM Eastern, we have New South Action Clash uh, episode forty-nine. Uh, followed by ten PM Eastern, Freelance Underground Phase in episode three. Wednesday, August eighteenth, we have Welcome to New Fear City at ten PM Eastern. Thursday, August nineteenth at eight PM Eastern, we have Action Wrestling. Friday August 20th at 2pm Pacific we have No Peace Underground Rituals Part 1. Also Friday August 20th at 7pm Eastern we have Limitless Wrestling Undeniable. Saturday August 21st at 3pm Eastern we have Stan Styles Intergender Bonanza 9. Sunday August 22nd at 1pm Eastern we have WWR Plus Say You'll Be There from Beyond Wrestling. And Sunday, August 22nd at 6 p.m. Eastern, we have Beyond American Rana 21. And then Sunday, August 22nd at 7 p.m. Pacific, we have No Peace Underground Rituals Part 2. And that's what's on IWTV this week.
2: Yeah, we do have at least tentative plan to cover American Rana at some point in the future. won't be immediately after that show but it won't be too dreadfully far afterward
3: i believe it's the first week of september's when we're we're looking to cover it so
0: all right uh, that, uh, yeah that american rana show looks like a hell of a lineup they got there
3: yeah oh yeah beyond's been been killing it i know jay hawk has been watching it pretty much every time it's on and i know he enjoys it so i think it's all right like i i miss their weekly show i thought that was really cool uh to see lots of new fresh talent on that Hopefully that comes back uh, maybe early next year or something.
0: All right. Fingers crossed for a lot of big changes as things, uh, you know, as the year goes forward and into 2022.
3: Yes. All right. Uh, Well, let's get into the review. Oh, oh, wrong button. Wrong
1: button. The weekly review.
2: (laughs) There we go. Okay, and as we've kind of hit on already here, we are covering Chikara High Noon, November thirteenth, two 2011, from the former ECW Arena at this point called the Asylum Arena in South Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Uh, an attendance of 864 fans in the arena, more than 1,000 buys on Go Fight Live, which at the time was a Go Fight Live record. I have no idea if anything beat it, don't really care enough to look it up.
0: I don't know if anything beat it, but I do know, um, you know, as you mentioned, which was at the time a Go Fight Live record. um, I do have it on very good authority that even some of the Ring of Honor stuff that they had been doing, I don't know if they were on Go Fight Live or regular pay-per-view, but like we beat their numbers.
2: Yeah, uh, Ring of Honor stuff was on Go Fight Live at that point. I actually uh, looked it up here. Death before the Honor Nine, which was about a month or so before that, drew nine hundred and seventy-two bytes. That was the previous record.
0: Yeah, and uh, Ring of Honor had like a weekly TV at that point. I'm sure, even if it was just on HD Net or whatever. Um, but you know, people were excited that Jakar was finally making the leap to uh, internet pay-per-view. And there was also a pre-show that aired live on
2: Game. If anybody remembered, Youth Dream. I forgot about it till I looked that up. <laughs> And and the pre-show match, which is not on the IWTV feed here, wound up being uh, JITCO defeating El Generico. Yeah, hey, you know, just throw that on the pre-show.
3: Yeah, I was like, <laughs> man, that, that didn't open. I was kind of bummed.
2: <laughs> okay, let's get into the show at health. I love the little TV80 sitcom vibe they had going on in the open. Look at Chikara, starring Mike Quackenbush,
0: Eddie Kingston, The Colony. I love that. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, the the production folks uh, always trying to do something uh, different, unique, uh, whether it be like a theme of the show names or just something different instead of just your standard run-of-the-mill wrestling open of a show. And I think one of those things that Jakar would always attempt to do and just try to be different and try to pull a little bit more from pop culture um, than other promotions were at the time in the hopes to get that crossover audience it's like well i don't understand wrestling but i understand this sitcom reference or this toy reference or this you know whatever reference and like hopefully draw more people into what uh was doing we go to the opening match of the
2: pay-per-view here it is the colony of fire ant and soldier ant taking on the young buck uh young buck for some reason are accompanied by marty genetti and he does nothing. Like, I don't even think he did at ringside. Like he, like, he come out with the buck and then he's just gone.
0: Uh, this was during one of the uptimes for Marty Gennetti, uh where Marty was a little bit more reliable uh, to deal with. Uh, he was local at the time. I think he was somewhere based in the Philly area, I think. And, you know, Quack, growing up, uh, was a big fan. If you're a fan of Mike Quackenbush. And, and again, obviously, no judgments here. Um he tells the story of as as a kid like one of his earliest wrestling memories like a shared memory was Marty Jannetty and the 123 kid winning the tag titles on an episode of Monday Night Raw from the Quebecers. So he always had like that fondness for that era of professional wrestling of WWF that new generation era or that kind of like right on the cusp of the new generation era so anytime that Mike can work Marty into a storyline he would. And as 2012 and 2013 would go on, more attempts would be made to less successful uh, uh, attempts, I guess. Um, I think there's a baseball show where Marty ends up doing, there's another show where he ends up getting replaced by Steve the Turtle Whiner. He's supposed to be in Icarus's corner for Icarus's match on the show closing angle but then I think out of King of Trios into another show around like September, October, they end up getting uh, Young Bucks and uh, Walt, Young Bucks against Marty and Sean Waltman match. But yeah, you know, at the time, the Young Bucks were not the t-shirt empresarios that they are in 2021, not executive vice presidents of All Elite Wrestling. Uh, You know, they were very much a Rockers pastiche, if you remember their very first t-shirt. Uh, was essentially just a, a lift of the old original Rocker shirt from WWF. So uh, that was a, just a natural fit in Mike's eyes, I'm sure. So, can, so we need to talk about the Colony a little bit here, but we mentioned him a little bit earlier. A
2: guy a guy different, at different Ant, Green Ant and Colder and I'm uh, sorry, Fire Ant and coldrian, Ant, and then Kate. We're looking at... underneath Mac, am I correct?
3: I'm going to
0: bleep uh, that. That's the rumor. <laughs> that's the rumor, yes. Amongst the three of us, we know who it is maybe you know who it is maybe you don't if you really me. want to know you can
2: find out it's not yeah. that hard but
3: so yeah I, I had to look it up after a certain spot happened in this match um there was a spot where fire ant jumped off the back of nick jackson into a satellite head scissors on matt jackson then back around into a ddt on nick jackson and i jumped off the couch and said holy shit and lost my mind like it was the coolest thing i've ever seen um and this is the show's from 2011 and i'd never seen this before like how this was never gift uh and and like circulated on twitter like at least once a year is beyond me because this was the coolest thing ever
0: I just think that there's so much content out there right now. You know, you can't gif everything. There's not enough gifers out there to give every cool spot ever, you know? Um, Especially in 2011. Uh, like, remember, we're ta- talking almost 10 years now. Yeah, and see, the, and we'll, we'll, you know, every now and then you'll see someone gif something from Chikara and it'll be like a sweetie dance spot. Or it'll be, you know, the stuff that we've seen before, like where the music stops when the colony are making their entrance and they freeze, it's a lot of that sort of stuff. Or you'll see like the hits where somebody will gift the generico one, two, three kid match from trios that one year. Right. Um, but, and it's crazy to say like, this is a hidden gem, this match of fire Ant soldier and the young bucks from 2011. It's a hidden gem that it, nobody gives any love to. And I think that's a lot of this show, you know?
3: Yeah. This was like, I, I literally wrote down in my notes, uh, let's see where to go. Uh, this is one of the best tag matches I've ever seen. This was, I love the young bucks. Like I don't, I haven't really cared about them too much in the last couple of years. Um, but like, I really enjoyed their stuff in PWG with a lot of the teams they face there. And like, this was like before they got super obnoxious with all the super kicks. So like they did do a double super kick in here a couple times, but like all their other double team stuff is just so like crisp in this. And I, I loved so, so many other double team moves. Like, i saw one uh happen during the match where you know nick comes in does like the uh x factor while matt's holding the other person and then he like does the flip out and then does the moonsault off the apron i love that like that's one of the coolest things ever and i love like i pop for that every time i see it uh this this match was just and i love the the one of the rules where You know, if one of the, the tag partner slides out of the ring, the other partner can come in. I love that. I love that from Mexican wrestling. I think that should be like the standard everywhere, especially, I think that should how be how it should be in all elite. I think that that makes the most sense for like their product. I
0: I would definitely say maybe not for like straight two on two tags, but maybe like, a six man or an eight man once you get to like those larger multi-man things i think if you just do the the lucha tag roll to the outside sort of thing i think that would make a lot more sense mm-hmm. um i'm with you you know um you mentioned well and again you mentioned aew You mentioned all Elite wrestling wasn't there a thing in the contracts with uh the revival ftr where like they have it in their contracts like it has to be the tag ropes it can't be any of that sort of jazz right And like, I don't think they've mentioned that really much anymore, but like, I think that would be like a cool thing, whether just for heat, or whether just for like a different structure or format to a match to throw that in there. Um, But yeah, again, like I said, you know, I was in the Chikara bubble for, you know, however many years it was, so... Rolling to the outside is just as good as a hand-to-hand tag. I say it all the time because, uh, you know, when I would do commentary, especially when it's an opening match for a show, it's a multi-man match on a show, and the way that Chikara would present a lot of the stuff where sometimes people would just watch a match on the YouTube channel, it could very well be someone's first Chikara matches that they've ever seen, and it's my job to make sure that they understand why rolling to the outside is, that they switched who's legal and the referee allowed it. This doesn't make any sense. Oh, the commentator told me that's the rule. Okay, moving on. I don't have to like focus on it. It just right. it is what it is.
2: And a lot, a lot of companies forget that that actually one to keep thinking commentary. And, yeah, you don't want to insult the intelligence of your longtime viewer, but you might have that first time viewer.
0: You need they need to be they need to be in on it too, right off the bat. Right, and that's the thing. Like every and people say, uh, every so every wrestling match is someone's first match, but it's also every match very well could be someone's favorite match. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great point. Like you don't want to insult someone's intelligence, but if this is someone's Chikara, like if someone who's a fan of Chikara, this is their favorite match. They've probably been watching minimally three to four years at this point, and they. And that was a lot of what Jakar tried to do was like build that up so that the fan base would be more inviting and more welcoming to new fans. Instead of saying like, here's our group of fans, we've got our fan base and we don't want anyone else into it because we've cultivated what this is. Whereas, you know, I think another thing that a lot of wrestling companies don't instill, whether it be willingly or unwillingly in their fan base is to be more welcoming to new fans.
2: Okay. And another another thing, you did a great job of explaining on commentary here as well. Uh, were the rule to earn title shot here? Right. You go, you're you have to win three matches, you get three point, you get the title shot. Both the team came in with two point. So the winning team here is going to get a shot at the tag team championship at that point.
0: Right. And I think, uh, and again, I'm trying to line up here where that comes in. I do think the Colony get the title shot maybe like one of the first shows in january and then the Bucks would end up getting uh and that was another thing like chikar would do like those four corner tag matches where it's like shit we got to build something up real quick to get somebody three points to contend for the titles (laughs) and i think there was a show in like april in indiana where the bucks are in it and they get like three wins like boom 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 right out of the four corner elimination the next show they win the belts you know nice
2: I, I, actually i believe i could be wrong you could be right and i could be wrong obviously you were there and i wasn't but i want to say
0: the colony actually got the title shot on the joshi mania show that came between gig there you go right the joshi mania show ends up being like a little like because i think i missed one of the shows there i was there for the friday and the sunday shows but not the saturday shows i think i had some sort of family thing going on uh but you very well could be correct there
3: yeah like i think one of the the Problems though, on this, like whatever version they had here from the disc or whatever, the commentary seemed really low on when I was yeah. watching it. So like I could hear the crowd over the commentary more. So like, I want to say like midway through, like, I could almost not hear you guys for, for like the last half. It took like a lot to really try to pay attention to hear commentary.
0: And yeah. And I, yeah. I think it was the go fight live mix. You know, I think we had like head like headsets actually. Because with SmartMark, it's just like, you know, as I'm sure if you've seen going to live events now that SmartMark or uh, uh, TV does where it's just, you know, normal standard and microphones. And I think sometimes they'll have the headsets, but it's just essentially plugged into the hard cam. Mm-hmm. And I think the Go Fight Live thing, and I notice that a lot of times even still watching stuff on the uh, the live feed for any of the live streaming stuff on IW.tv TV where maybe uh the mix is off or like one commentator is lower than the other shit happens man we're all still learning it's still it's still the indies man it's always going to be a little rough around the edges
3: yeah i mean stuff like that happens i was just like i wanted to be able to hear the commentary and stuff because like i knew you were on commentary so i was like i was trying to make sure i could hear everything and like you explain stuff so well a lot of the time like even like i remember watching absolution uh 10 and everything like you did so good on commentary like i'm I'm gonna kiss your ass and blow up your ego here but uh and uh, you know but it's it's true like you ask any of the people that like have heard your commentary you're very good at it so like i wanted to like hear it and like be able to like get into everything with what you're trying to tell especially because since like you know you got to tell these stories of what's going on and like why certain stuff is happening. So, like, I'm trying to hear all that while watching the match, and it's like, it was just that the, the mix that they had, like, was made it very, like, hard to do and almost impossible in some spots. But, like, I got the gist of everything, so I was very, like, I really was engaged with this show all the way through, which doesn't happen on shows that are over an hour a lot of the time anymore. Like, it usually I find, you know, something on my phone that takes me away for a while, but... I was I was hooked the whole way through and I just I really enjoyed this and I had like so many questions of like where is this person now? Where is this person now? Because I loved some of these characters and like thought they did great and like how are they not like everywhere or maybe they are but you know they were under a mask and now they're not I don't know. So I had like so many questions going in. But uh, the the finish for this match, like the counter out of the more bang for your buck was awesome. Uh, it felt like it was it was even more unique than I've seen some of the other counters out of it. Uh, with the way he like steamrolled over him and like pulled him up for the the one two three, I thought that was cool. Um, I was just really happy with this match. I thought this was a great opening match. Uh, the crowd was going crazy, and I, I was like so hyped after this match. I was like, "What? What do we got next?" Because this is so cool.
0: Definitely the definition of a hot opener, and you know, as you mentioned before on the pre-show. Uh, was Jigsaw versus El Generico, which again, if you were there live or you were watching the stream live, as it happened back in the day, some 10 years ago, like imagine like you turn on a show anywhere and like, those are your opening two matches,
3: you know, mm-hmm. that's like when I, when you kind of, when I asked you like, what should we watch? And you mentioned this show. And I looked at the the card real quick on uh, Wikipedia, Wikipedia was like, oh yeah, this, this is, this is definitely it. <laughs> so.
2: Okay. I uh, was. What- the colony winning the match in 1332. Hold your ant pinning Matt Jackson with a roll up after the failed more bang for your buck. And we move on to our second matchup, which feature Tara Del Rey, t- uh, formerly of BDK, taking on current member of BDK, Jakob Hammermeyer. And I actually had to write down Yakup with a Y to make sure I pronounced it correctly. <laughs> I, was I, I, Jacob
3: y. I was waiting to see if you were gonna do it or not. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, no, I made I made it once I heard how it pronounced, I made a note of how it pronounced why so I wouldn't fuck that up.
3: So this was cool Ah,
2: you know, it's all right.
3: <laughs> this is cool <laughs> to hear for the first time because like I feel like uh he came out and like announced himself and then he ran back and came out and I was like, Oh yeah, I remember Joe talking about this on one of the homeworks and uh i was like this is so uh entertaining and then like he came out to basically like a mixed version of rammstein which like caught my ear and i'm like okay i like this music which apparently was the bdk music
0: yeah, so the BDK music was the Rammstein music. And it was maybe about six or seven months prior, leading up to the iPay per view, where everyone kind of went away from licensed music mm-hmm. to this kind of like royalty free produced in house music sort of thing that would kind of sort of be sound alikes, knockoffs, what have you, of the original musics. And the one that hurts me the most is, uh, the, the knockoff BDK Rammstein music. Cause like the other one just hits and you can kind of replicate the sound and feel of like, let's say a Dave Matthews band song, or, you know, like something that kind of, sort of sounds like Mbop, which the, which the Young Bucks came out to. But Rammstein has such like a definitive sound, such a unique sound, like the same people replicating dave matthews band and hansen ain't gonna have the chops to replicate rammstein that's just my opinion and i think if you go listen to them both side by side you'll probably agree
3: yeah it was kind of interesting like i took me a minute to, to realize like where i knew the song from i was like man this sounds really familiar and then as like the song went further and further on i was like okay it's like a remix with like out the lyrics and i was like okay this isn't all right that's cool so I, I thought it was cool like yeah the, the full version probably would have been a lot cooler but i thought that, that version was actually relatively well done like i still knew what it was and i what? still got the concept and like him coming out and like when he was going up the steps was kind of like dancing to it which i thought was funny uh, I, I thought this was very entertaining and sarah del rey just like i haven't seen a lot of her like I, i'm probably like you know should should be a shame because like i know she's been a trainer in wwe forever and like everybody talks about how she's you know like the best women's wrestler of all time and yeah i just haven't seen a ton of her and like i i really enjoyed uh what she did in this match like she bent his finger back at one point and uh it was the grossest thing i've ever seen like i don't like like manipulation of fingers like Zack saber jr when he used to like manipulate joints was always like a big like out to me and like, would like make me feel gross. But when she took that finger and bent it all the way back and almost touched the back of his hand, like I tried doing that myself and I could barely get it like anywhere near that. So that had to actually hurt. Cause holy shit, it was almost touching the back of his hand.
0: <laughs> I don't know if there's a magic or a way to do that without it hurting a whole bunch, uh, but you know, a lot of times holds and wrestling, if done properly hurt a whole bunch um but yeah this this was a fun match but this was kind of like sarah on the come up this was kind of her finally like breaking away fully from the bdk as she had just done a few months prior um jacob was kind of uh you know he was like the joke character in the bdk the comedy Mm -hmm. character um, you know, manager role, ring announcer role, whatever. Uh, but over the next year, uh, with this kind of being the start of it, with the showing here, he becomes kind of a more serious uh, wrestler for the most part. Where it's just him and Donst as like the last remaining remnant remnants of the BDK.
3: Yeah, I liked when he pulled out the the second tie from his like waist and like was mm-hmm. choking her with it. I thought that was really good. I got a, that, that got a laugh out of me and. Pretty good little like short match. It was like what five minutes or something. This was it was good.
2: Yeah, five minutes and nineteen seconds. Herodot Ray winning with the Royal Butterfly, which a kind of like a double underhook, almost like a double hook underhook brainbuster kind of.
0: What not really a DDT? What not really a kind of in between? Uh, yeah. So like I said, she would uh, oh, uh, her first half up to you know July or whatever two thousand nine or uh two thousand twelve, culminating with the match against Kingston. Um, you know, she has a whole bunch of really awesome matches in that first half uh, of the year in Shakar and a bunch of other places, and uh, I think she's gone to WWE by the end of the summer of 2012, and, you know, Charlie mentioned she's been there as a trainer ever since, you know, and i great sometimes can be at the World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, more, You know, I, I I tip my hat to her still being able to be there, you know, coming up on 10 years almost, you know?
3: I'm just curious, like she it feels like she went there and they she didn't really like she didn't wrestle or do like have a gimmick or anything that we know of right they she literally went in as a trainer and i'm just curious like did she have to retire and that's why she started doing training or just like what was the i'm curious what the decision was there to to just not you know go on and maybe be a star with wwe and just train i don't i'm I'm curious like how that came well you know
0: So obviously, uh, I can't speak for her and her specific situation. uh, But there are many times where people come in to do the tryouts at WWE. And for whatever reason, for whatever variety of reasons, they look at you and they say, we want to offer you a job, but it's not going to be a TV job. It's going to be a training job or it's going to be a coach job or it's going to be an agent job or a producer job or whatever it is. And, you know, she probably just said, like, you know what, I'll take it. Um, and a lot of a lot more times than not people don't take it or they hold out and they wait and they come back and they come back and they come back eventually WWE will be like okay I see something in this person and I don't want them as a trainer I don't want them as an agent I don't, don't want them as a coach I want them as an in ring competitor and you know sometimes people are more patient and get it
1: mm-hmm. sometimes
0: more, people are more patient and end up finding whatever it is they're looking for elsewhere but I, I would assume that Sarah went there maybe she had done multiple tryouts and multiple times they told her, we only see you as a trainer. And she's just like, I'm a trainer. And that's what it is. Yeah. Sometimes they, come time, they, you go
2: in a, on a rec trial and they go, we can use you, your periphery. Right. And then you, and then you go completely cranky
0: and start your own podcast where you're <laughs> trying to continue to be cranky. <laughs> well, again, I could see that happening one time. Definitely not <laughs> more than <that. laughs> um, I had to go, I had to go there. I'm sorry. I did. had to pop it, for you that. You know what?
3: It, it worked though. It, that got me. Holy crap. <laughs> Uh, no, I just, I always kind of just like, I, I always wonder what the story was. I was always just kind of curious. Cause like she was really good in the ring and really entertaining. And it's just like, man, like she's probably trained so many people that we enjoy, but like, I just, I always wonder like what it would have been if, if she would have gotten a shot at the roster, if, if they would have done anything with her or, or you know, if she would have been a big star, I don't know. Just, what if, I don't know. It's one of those things.
0: I, I assume the closest uh the, for her having a WWE match would have been around the time of one of the may Young classics. But you know, sometimes it's just not meant to be.
3: Yeah.
2: Okay, so from there we have a brief video package hyping the debut of Mr. Touchdown, who I'm going to admit I don't think I've ever seen or heard of. Uh so oh yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry.
3: I was gonna say Jayhawk, he was at a um the the throwbacks were at a Midwest wrestling show. I literally
2: went, I literally went to the
0: first one of them.
3: Oh, that was only the first one. Okay. So it was like, I think the third one they were at. Yeah. So you went, yeah, you missed out.
0: Uh so Mr. Touchdown, as he would be named, is uh Mark Angelicetti. He was currently doing a bunch of stuff, kind of like the seasoning, if you will, to debut a character on the wrestling is fun shows. Like wrestling is fun existed before the shutdown happened. Um, I think he had wrestled under the name Mark Angel in Beyond, like back in like the early days of Beyond moving from doing the look mono fan shows to doing shows in front of fans and uh he came and did a chikara tryout and i think uh quacker or whoever was looked at him and said like you look like a football jock and he absolutely was not a football jock but he uh dove into the role with aplomb and uh sadly i think he's done wrestling uh you know he runs a landscaping business of all things and he's uh very happy being out of wrestling as many folks uh that come through give it a try have a modicum of success but uh you know, it, you know, as I mentioned, he gets the rocket strapped to him like 2012, 2013, but he was just a natural. Like his stuff was just uh, amazing in the ring. Had a great look, had a great physique, and uh, you know, wasn't one of these guys that said like I need to do a bunch of flashy moves. Like it just the shit that he did looked great.
2: And then we have the Ethereum portal come out to come out to the ring. A man can fit in. A uh, an announcement that his doctor can recommending that he retire. And one bad bump could put him in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Dunk a promo recapping the history of the team. They do their trademark dance party. And then an Ophidian makes him in the eye. And then starts kicking him in the back of the head. All the referees run out. Bryce Remberg gets pissed. I, I, Bryce is great here.
0: Uh, Bryce is great all the time, no matter where he goes and what he does. Uh, which is why he is where he is today. Exactly. Um, this, so obviously... This was Amasis looking to take some time off for whatever reason, uh, was sold a little bit more uh, devastating as to why he was no longer going to be wrestling for a while. I think he was back by, oh boy, like October, let's say. Um, but with that happening, this was like, okay, well, what do we do with Ophidian now? He'll turn. Um, Ophidian then has a match in January with Jonathan Gresham at a Chikar show, who was Haricon. Who was like this bird eagle sort of thing as part of the Osirian portal to kind of write uh, that character off as well? But this was, as you say, Jayhawk, uh, their trademark dance. Do you remember the early meme video of the most illegal move in all of professional wrestling? <laughs> I do. Yeah, that's that's what they were referring to because that had just hit like huge, maybe like two or three months prior and it still had some steam behind it even though CCW was trying to take the video of their own showdown um but again you can't question what the motives sometimes at CCW are um but yeah like they were really super hot and amas was like no i need time off i got stuff to deal with and they had a pivot and this was what it was yeah, but this segment is great. Ophidian
2: is great here. A Mac is great here. Like a break is great as usual here. Ophidian actually ripped the Mac off and the referee recovering covering a fake. You don't go. You don't get the reveal. Uh, great stuff here. They can right out of the Mexican wrestling playbook too, with the Mac up coming off and everybody covering up the fake. Great stuff here. Yeah. We then go back to the ring and we've got Grigant ant versus turkis. accompanied by the BD, the BDK referee, Derek Cabato gets laid out like a minute into the match and we never see him again which is always fun
1: <laughs>
2: when it's not me what is that to happen to me anyway I'll oh I'll, okay I'll, I'll that much i've done i did a show once where they come but he hit me with a finisher like before the opening match started and i was done for the night and like i drove an hour and a half for this shit and,
0: well and again it's it's no, it's i was gonna say it's none of my business but you know, I don't know if you got paid. That sounds like a pretty good day. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think you paid to ever
2: had. I will admit to that. There you go. Great visual of the colony carrying Kabato to the back, too. Which yes. Was, I, I, that, was, that was that was really funny. I enjoyed that quite a bit.
1: Yeah.
0: So I like Sabato. Um, I think Sabato right now, like, I don't know how like secret this is, but like he puts it out there. He edits the Wrestling Observer newsletter for Meltzer. Huh. Okay um that's like what his current like touchstone in the wrestling business is uh and every once in a while i'll hear from him just in regards to like some sort of indie thing to check out but like sabato was uh, you know a good friend someone i would always shoot the shit with at shows and a lot of times on commentary i would just say things to screw with people that if they go back and watch this match they'll be like ah oh, joe said something goofy on there like a lot of times i'd say i'm on fire at matches Or I'd say I'm on uh, dance matches and I would say on matches that um, Sabato was reffing that um, something like just making jokes about him gambling. Right. Because I knew that typically he was the one that ran like any of like the in Chikara, like amongst the locker room, like uh, like football pools or anything else like that. So I would just say it's like, oh, this is a guy who probably has a lot of bad gambling debts, you know, (laughs) so on and so forth. So then that just like busted his balls. And then that became part of the storyline of him joining the BDK and everything else like that. It was very it was very unintentional. But like a lot of stuff like that, I I love when I would do goofy stuff like that and it would end up making it part of uh the storyline and that's kind of like where Ch- like sabato becoming a heel and it was because of his gambling debts that i would make jokes about on commentary just to pop him if he ever watched the show that he was roughing back you know
3: that's so could- progressive though when you think about it like just little <laughs> stuff like that and like eh, what are we gonna do how will we try this out and see if that works like all off of like just a, a throwaway line like that's so cool yeah. like i think that's 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 just cool to me
2: okay you mentioned earlier about how Quack kind of was really fond of like the early to mid 90s WWF. And this feud is kind of based around that here. The Green Ant went on the Fleck Express tour after body claiming Turkic earlier this year. That kind of built
0: to this matchup. Yeah. So this is the so this is so weird to me because it ends up being built up at like one of the summer shows in 2011 in. Outside of Allentown somewhere, I can't think, or outside of Reading maybe, where Green Ant comes out like in a full red, white, and blue outfit, right? And I think they end up doing like the Luger Yokozuna finish where he ends up slamming um Tursus on the outside and he ends up winning. Green Ant ends up winning by count there, just like Luger did at SummerSlam. And This ends up being the blow-off, but just like when Luger, you know, beat Yokozuna at SummerSlam by count-out, um, I felt as though that should have been the end of the thing, uh, end of the program of, you know, Green Ant coming out in the full red, white, and blue gear and everything else like that. But that even comes from, and shit, people are going to give me grief for it, the year prior, Green Ant had a match with someone who had come over from 2010. Um for one of the Young Lions Cups, and it's one of those things where it's like, oh, night one is a bunch of people, night two is a bunch of people, and then night three is the finals, but then the rest is like, eh, anybody who stayed around for the weekend, let's figure out where we could put him in, you know? So Green Ant wrestles a match, uh, night three, 2010 Young Lions Cup, I forget who it's against, and ends up breaking his arm. The guy ends up breaking his arm, okay? Uh, you know, just putting a hold on him, things got messed up, no big deal, and then as green Ant is making his comeback and going and get surgery, he legitimately had a stool steel plate put into his arm. And that was all quack needed to hear. It's like, we're doing Lex express. We're doing Yokozuna, you know? And like, that's all it took, you know? <laughs> and that's how this match came to be.
3: Uh, that's Awesome. That's so cool. Tursus really impressed me in this match. Like he hit this like big, uh, big power bomb. And it just like, I was like, man, that's, you see like guys like Ethan page and stuff hit that now. And it's just, it's so impressive to see. And where, where is Tersis at? What's going on with him? Like, did he become somebody? Did he, does he just retire? What happened with him?
0: I want to make the joke and say that he became max smash master. Um, but they just look very much alike, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, but no. So, uh, Tursus actually got a job in nursing. and is doing very well i think he just he had been living in texas for the better part of the last several years and then i think he'd end up getting a new job in his you know in his line of work back in the philly area and then it was like right as the pandemic started so i think he's still in texas for the time being he hasn't made his way back to philly but that is in the plans uh but he was like a philly kid you know like a lot of the chikara folks they were like philly locals you know townies whatever you want to say
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh but yeah he was he was another he was one of them he was one of my favorite dudes he's someone i still uh shoot the breeze with from time to time regarding what he's up to but he's he's another one who's kind of sort of out of it with wrestling but if you see like chuck taylor do something big or orange cassidy do something big on AEW, you'll see him pop up uh the terse's account making some sort of wiseacre remark
3: okay i don't know like i feel like in the last couple of years i've really started enjoying like some of the the bigger guys work like for the longest time i really just enjoyed like luchadors and like smaller guys and all the stuff they could do and uh i didn't appreciate the bigger guys like bam bam and stuff and now like going back and i've watched a lot more bam bam bigelow and like other guys like vader and stuff and i've really started to enjoy like what they offer and like some just bigger guys now like certain ones just really impressive with what they can do and uh he just caught my eye and i really enjoyed like some of the stuff he did in this match so
2: yeah go, go pretty na- pretty nice stuff in this match especially near the end green ant flaming Turk on the floor i'll allow you i'll you elect Fluger. up to the top rope and hit the flash at the crowd start chanting please don't die i love that chant then then yeah then a cooper superplex into the ring and the crowd chant holy poop because a family show and they're not going to say the other right. way which i appreciate <laughs> <laughs> And then I wake up being Green Ant with a new version of the Shakara special. in the commission win in
0: 1225. Yeah, and I hate knocking guys, but I feel as though this match could have been a little bit shorter. But I get with its placement of the card, sometimes you want to take the time that you're given. You know, it's a big opportunity, a big chance, what have you. Uh, but yeah, I like, I, I like this match a bunch, and I get why it happened. But this was one of those ones where... The Reading match over the summer, Green Ant coming out in the full Lex Luger garb. And I think Quack even got Lex Luger to record something. Kind of like giving his endorsement to Green Ant on his quest to get the match with Tursus, you know? where this was a time like 2011 keep in mind like luger wasn't doing anything he was practically out of the public eye and uh you know quack just asked him and luger was very happy to do so i think they wanted him to show up but due to the physical state that luger was in at the time he couldn't make like a long trip from georgia to redding so he very happily and very quickly Uh, recorded something and we get into it a little bit later on like this is the time where Quack has like all these like weird guys from that era of WWF doing stuff for and with Chikara there's a there's an angle that happens a little bit later on in 2012 that Quack gets Jake the Snake to record something on specifically along the lines of referencing the angle when Earthquake squashed Damien you know and Jake talking about that. Like, of all the things that you're going to have Jake cut a promo on and reference in your storyline in Chikara, it's that. That's what Quack drew from, which is fantastic.
3: I thought he was going to talk about how he is so proud of Ophidian growing up and becoming a wrestling snake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, so it's not to say that it definitely was not pitched. To, if they were going to book Jake the Snake at some time, that he would have to carry Ophidian out to the ring in a bag and put the bag under the thing. Again, not to say that that is not something that was pitched hundreds of times. Uh, I'm not going to say by me or by Vin Gerard or ne'er-do-wells like that. But uh, Ophidian is a lot bigger than Damien or Revelations or whatever snakes Jake uh, would have been bringing to the bag, and it's one thing to bring like a thirty or forty or even fifty pound snake to the ring in a bag, but to be carrying like a hundred and seventy, hundred and eighty pound human in a bag over your shoulder is another uh, a bridge for someone to cross, you know. Oh my god, that would have been
3: amazing! Oh my god,
0: <laughs> I think somebody, and obviously the the, the timing of this. Somebody who has the ear of someone at AEW needs to have uh, Jake at least bring Marco's stunt out to the bag, like into the
1: ring <laughs> in a bag.
2: I oh got the visual of that; it's hilarious. Somebody do it. Oh they like have Somebody him with gear, pitch that.
3: Have him kidnap him and just bring him out the back. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. Oh man. <laughs> That's my favorite. I'm going to think about that for like a week now. That's like my favorite (laughs) thing in the world now. Oh my God.
2: Okay. Before we get to the second half of the show here, butter, I got a question for
3: you. Yeah. Do you
2: remember when you first heard about Chikara?
3: Oh man. Um, It had to be when I was watching, I want to say CZW and stuff. Like I knew it was like family friendly and that kind of stuff. And like, I don't remember much else about it.
2: The first introduction I had to anything having to do with Chikara was the random appearance of Keep Monk and Colt Cabani. Okay. <laughs> and I bring that up because we of our next matchup, which is Colt Cabana taking on Archibald Peck with Veronica and Colt Cabani in the corner. Like so I am going to I'm going to assume that KP Monk and Colt Cabani started off as a rib.
0: Well, so not so much as a rib, right? Um but maybe like 05, 06, 07. Um, Wherever the Chikar Wrestle Factory was, there was a shop that would rent out, like, those full-size mascot costume. Uh, So someone, and again, um, got the idea. It's like, why can't we do these as gimmicks, right? Um, And the reason it ends up eventually stopping was because sometimes, I forget what, I think it was... Moscow, the communist bovine ends up coming back in (laughs) such a state of disrepair that they had to pay the deposit on bringing it back. And they're like, all right, we got to ease up for a little while. And then I think the rabbit costume ends up being something that somebody purchased so that it was kept and probably sold after the fact. But that's where, like, Dragon Dragon came from, Uh, you know, CP Monk. It's like, oh, there's a chipmunk costume. What can we do with it? And the one that we never got, and this was, like, the next one that was in the line uh, after the, the, whatchamacallit, the the, the Moscow, the communist bovine one came back, there was going to be Scotty Flamingo.
3: Oh, my God.
0: Oh, my (laughs) God. But it was, like, like it. it was... It was penciled in to debut like whenever, and then it's like, all right, we got to ease up on the costume shop. Moscow, the communist bovine was too in disrepair. They're not going to rent to us anymore.
2: Whoever fucked that, that fucking cow costume up. Fuck you. I needed, I needed
0: Scotty Flamingo. I needed Scotty Flamingo. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Like, I would have been going out of my mind.
3: I'm curious if Ed knows about all these different characters. He has to, right?
0: You know, and again, I know Ed said he was going to attempt to do a run-in because he saw whatever in the Discord, but, uh, you know, I love Ed to death, but who knows what Ed's aware of at any given moment, you know? (laughs) Like, Ed could have been at the show where this happened and has no memory of it happening.
3: That's true. That's true.
0: But, hey, listen, we all have our, you know what I mean? There's stuff that, like... I'm watching and I'm like, I don't remember this match happening. And then like, I have my notebooks that I took from the original, like, you know, doing commentary on the show. And then I'm taking notes during things. And then eventually like, it'll just click and I'm like, Oh, I remember everything now. I don't need to take notes. It's all in here. You know, sometimes you just need to like, kind of shake your head a bit to like, loosen up that memory.
3: Right on. Yeah. That's, I guess. Yeah. That might've been one of the first things I remember seeing. Cause like I was on the CZW fans message board in that era. So like, they would post stuff here and there and like, I wouldn't hear about stuff. Cause like a lot of them guys lived in Philly and went to all the shows. So yeah. I, I would hear stuff here and there, but like never really like checked it out. I think I was just in my mind. I was like, Oh, it's a kid's thing. I'm, I'm into this death match stuff. And like, it's not what I'm into, but like now it's, it's more like, I don't know. Like, it's like a casual thing. I feel like I could, I could totally just go through and just start watching this this week and just really just start watching from this show on and and just marathon a bunch of this i feel like i might end up doing that because this is just so fun
0: yeah i don't know who those views for uh Chikar go to these days but you know it's a <laughs> lot of good stuff you know
3: yeah that's why it was that's why we kind of like questioned maybe doing something and i'm like you know what i was like if if you're willing to come on and talk about something like we kind of can't pass that up and then like you do the homework every week and I feel like it's whatever like it can't be that much and I I feel like if it's entertaining and fun to talk about and it's like it's there it happened you can't erase it so let's let's talk about it and kind of celebrate the fun stuff that could have been and like the stuff that was and I mean there's there's some good stuff in there like can't you know cancel all the years that happened, like those happen so
2: exactly Okay, so we get to this match here between Colt Cabana and Archibald Peck. Yes. Uh, Colt Cabana is perfect for Chikara, and I'm kind of glad that he was never really a regular. He would he'd be in and out quite a bit. I mean, he was around, but he wasn't like a full time guy. I'm really kind of glad about that, but he's perfect for the for the company.
0: Yeah, and again, him being a special guest, him giving that gravitas uh, to Chikara, you know, kind of being the bigger name that he was at the time and going out there and doing all of what he was in the world of professional wrestling. Um, I don't know where this lines up with him. I think this is definitely post WWE release, but very early in the art of wrestling days. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Colt, I think, is one of those guys that adds a lot to your show in any way, shape, or form. You know, um, Colt Cabana typically does not have bad matches. Uh, and even when paired with maybe not a capable opponent, he's able to drag something out of them.
3: Yeah, and like, I remember colt cabana when i first saw him like doing a lot of comedy stuff and i was like you know that's got to be a guy that i watch more of because like i always liked comedies so like comedy wrestling go together i'm like okay cool it was always like him and beef wellington and like guys like that that like were my favorites because uh you know just anything that you, you can do like funny stuff and get people to laugh especially in wrestling i was like that's if i ever became a wrestler that's what i'd want to do because that you know i love making people laugh and like that kind of stuff like would be perfect and uh, this match was so funny and so so much fun like just all the little things and uh it's kind of also interesting because like he i was thinking about Cole cabana's career and like he doesn't have to do a ton of like high spots and like bumps and stuff and he like is over with the crowd he gets he gets the match over and like he doesn't have to destroy his body to do it so it's like really inter- interesting to like his what his long uh longevity is going to be like in all of wrestling Like he's been going for so long now but like he can still like do everything in the ring and it's still like very fresh and entertaining and like his body's not super beat up it feels like i don't even like can't really think of like him having s- too many like serious injuries and mm-hmm crazy to think about like i know he's had some wars and stuff in in roh but like just a lot of the comedy stuff i feel like has like really saved his body over the years and uh he's just so good at it
2: even a lot of the curious stuff he did in roh was a lot of world of sport style technical wrestling great fucking matchup with nigel McGuinness. that a couple, couple of those i was in attendance for mm-hmm. and go so, yeah even when he's wrestling seriously he doesn't take a lot of bumps never has
0: Right, and even the feud that he would have, maybe after the Nigel feud with Homicide, where like Homicide, like pours like storyline pours Drano down his throat, or like whatever the hell it is, right? So like here's this goofing around wrestler that when he finally does get serious, you're like, oh shit, now it's on. Like if you made the clown character drop the goofy persona you know that adds so much more to it than the guy who's just 100% serious all the time and then of course like the flip of that i think there was a multi man match and i it's going to kill me that i can't remember who the fourth person in is in the match is but it's like jack evans uh ebison Kikataro, someone else and samoa joe right so Samo- Samoa Joe, this big badass ass kicker, you know, the the, the guy in Ring of Honor at the time. Mm-hmm. And he completely, 100% plays ball with Ebison's nonsense, right? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? So if, like, Joe was like, I'm not going to do this. Blah, blah, blah. Pouty face, pouty face. It wouldn't have been as cool. People like, ah, you know, Joe, you could have kind of played with a little bit. So when, like, the super serious guy plays ball with the goofball it plays that much bigger, uh-huh. whereas the goofing around character finally gets serious. It's like, oh man, you know, like it adds so much more to it. And, you know, being a fan of Cabana, you know, if you guys are listening to the podcast, he'd always say that he wants to be like that junkier dog or honky tonk man-like character, where you like just live on the indies forever, cashing those checks, signing those, you know, posing for the pictures, signing those 8 by 10s going out doing your moves, limited impact on your physical well-being. Uh, but you know, and obviously Colt kind of selling himself a little bit short. You know, if he needed to be able to do those things, he could. And uh, you know, me and my buddy Todd, who I do the comic book l- show Longbox Heroes with, uh, he has no choice but to like wrestling just because he's my friend. Um, <laughs> but you know, we joke, we had joked for like m- years that the per the the person that actually was going to be that uh, that like next quote unquote Honky Tonk Man character was going to be Orange Cassidy and. You know, I think it's kind of close. You know, like, Orange Cassidy can and will do those things Mm -hmm. that he really can do amazingly. But, like, other than doing the kick spot, Kip up and keeping his glasses on, doing, like, the Lucha, like, you know, like, the Lucha evade stuff with his hands still in the pockets. Like, what else do you really want to see Orange Cassidy do?
3: Yeah, I mean... Uh, it, it's cool when he breaks out like going up against Pac and he's like busts out all the crazy stuff. But like him versus Effie was like one of those matches where like they barely did anything and it was the yeah. coolest match ever. Like I love that match so much.
2: And now you've There's got me sick. looking up, now you've got me looking at trying to look up that ROH show. but I feel like I look at that fucking four way with Joe and Ebacon and Jack Evans. driving me nuts. I can't think of that.
0: Right. I can't guy. think who the fourth person in the match is. And I feel like I look at that show. I feel like that would in date. No, there's a very good chance it could have been. I me mean, looking it up now, too. Hang on. Delirious is the okay. fourth person. Where the hell is it from? I don't know where it's from, but it does exist in full on Ring of Honor's uh, YouTube page. Not that they need a plug from us. Yeah, I, I, distinctly, I distinctly remember being
2: front row and King Kamoa Joe threw a, threw a shoe at Jack Evans. Who threw a shoe? <laughs> uh,
0: you are correct. It was Dayton. Yeah, I had to. I, I, I look at that show. Main uh, main event was Dan- uh, Danielson versus Homicide in a steel cage. Yeah. Uh, Austin Aries versus James Gibson. Jimmy Ray versus Matt Seidel uh, BJ and uh, Jimmy Jacobs against Ace Steel and CM Punk, etc., etc. Alex Shelley versus Roderick Strong. You know, no big, no big whoop. You know, just a kind of nothing happening card. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, nothing going on on that. Nothing going on on that show at all. No,
0: definitely not. Yeah, I was
2: definitely at that show. I remember, awesome. I remember, I remember the Hanukai Daniel match pretty vividly. I know I feel bad, but we're ignoring the show. We're supposed to be reviewing.
1: Ah, that's
0: how shit happens. Whatever. It's no big deal. Talking wrestling.
3: That's, that's half the reason I wanted Joe on is because he just talks about all this crazy stuff. Like I have no idea about some of this stuff. It's very entertaining just being here. So hell yeah, man. Like well, I could talk
2: yeah. about wrestling. I could talk about wrestling all day long. I really could. This is so. true.
3: Well, let's, let's get back to what we were talking about. Uh, circle back around to this match with Colt Cabana.
2: Okay. Uh, we haven't even talked about Archibald Peck yet. Uh, we've seen yeah, you know, Robert Evans do some serious work as well. So uh, I love the fact that you've got a guy here who can do one really serious character then can completely flip the script and do a character like Archibald Peck.
0: Very talented dude here. Right. And I don't know where he was at the time, I don't think he had debuted any of the Ring of Honor stuff yet, but he would maybe do so shortly after this. Um, But Archibald Peck, Robert's another one of those guys um, that loves wrestling, is a big comic book guy, uh, knows timing, can do stuff inside the ring. But I think where he really excelled was the stuff for him, you know, um, getting stuff to connect. Uh, I know I wasn't maybe at the time he was in Ring of Honor. I wasn't watching a ton, but if you remember, like the new streak where it was like his group was like him, Veda Scott, uh, Stokely Hathaway, and maybe Moose was the group in Ring of Honor. Mm. And yeah. you know, Moose was the muscle, and Jayhawk was, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, Vader was this, and uh, Stokely was this, and robert evans was the worker you know he was the guy going out there and they he would just have all these people interfere on his behalf and then it got to a point where i think he had enough wins where he was like ready to contend for like the tv title or the world title and the way that the program was built up and the way that robert cut the pro the the promos leading up to it were like they're going to put the title on this guy, son of a bitch. And obviously they didn't because at the end of the day, he's a comedy character. And I think he ended up working like at Final Battle, like essentially like the male version of a catfight fight match with Prince Nana or something. But Hello. like Robert's just one of those guys where, you know, he's just super smart when it comes to wrestling. And, uh, you know, I think he still works for Impact. He has a very, if not negative profile online, but he's definitely someone that I miss. Yeah, he actually did get a shot at the TV title and moved, turned on him to end the new streak. That's what it was, right? See, I, the, the like I said, the pieces are in there, and sometimes I just got to shake them together, you know?
3: Uh, I liked uh, one of his characters he did later on, actually, a little bit more than uh, Archibald Peck. Uh, I liked uh, MMA.
0: Oh, yes. Again, he had to prove how manly he was, you know? <laughs> I feel like... And the pro-
3: I want to say I saw him as MMA and AIW maybe.
0: So, uh, I think he did a match at AAW okay. against Davey Richards maybe. Um, he may have done MMA one time at AIW as well when he was out there for that same weekend.
2: I seem to remember Archbold Peck making an AIW appearance in well, least being announced for one. I may maybe maybe it didn't happen, but oh. I, I I came I I came to have the emotional poster in my head of Archibald Peck coming to AIW, but mm. I,
0: I could be wrong on that.
3: I know his manager uh, managed the Bateria at AIW.
0: Yes, uh, she was another one. She was a Philly girl, um, and they just needed like an extra body to drive like whatever that car load was. And she had kind of wrapped up her time in the business. I think she works for, like, an animal rescue now. Like, she's a big deal at some sort of animal rescue. She's another great person. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just wrestling sometimes gets out of your system. And the time where she was leaving and no longer was the wheel person for, like, the AIW Chikara East Coast crew, that's when the Chikara shutdown happened. And then I kind of fell into that role ass backwards. And, you know, here we are. (laughs) Okay, so this, 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 this is a fun little match, and this may have gone on a
2: little bit, a little bit on the long side of well, but I enjoyed this match quite a bit. I love watching Colt Cabana work anyway. But we do have the story here of where Archibald Peck had been kind of abusing Colt Cabana over the last several months, which is Puerto Rico and Cabana want this match, like he wants to kind of break Cabana away from him. So there's a couple of spots here where they tease if he's going to attack Cabana, if he's not going to attack Cabana. And then of course eventually he dunked and he attacked Archibald Peck to lead to the finish.
1: If you
0: so, if you notice, uh, and again, I think we do sadly a poor job of really shining a light on it, if you will, Um, and I think the lighting there as well doesn't lend itself um either. But if you notice that, like the bunny has like green fur in spots on him, uh, so it didn't, co- it didn't come
2: off well least on the TV. I was watching it on again. I could be a lighting thing. It could be my cut
3: up. But yeah, I, didn't- I noticed he had like a weird tint to him, and yeah.
0: So earlier in the year, uh, Icarus and Chuck Taylor had lost a mask versus hair match against the Colony, which is an unbelievably crazy match. And part of them, the uh, Icarus and Gargano do, uh, growing their hair back, uh, was they had gotten from Tadasuke a Japanese hair tonic that he guaranteed would grow their hair back super fast. Well, they made a deal with Archibald Peck to test it out first on the rabbit. There oh were no God. ill side effects, so they used it, and it turned their hair green after it turned the rabbit's hair green. Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> that's amazing.
0: Yes. Again, everything's intertwined in Chikar. There's a reason for everything. And if there's not a reason for everything, it gets retrofitted to have a reason for it.
3: <sighs> that's, that's just brilliant. <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Yeah, I, I mean, people whatever they want to about quack on a
2: personal level but he, he really is kind of a genic when it comes to putting shit like that together he certainly is that's so wild wow Eleven thirty four, the time of the ma- the time of the match here and from there we go to greg iron versus Virg- icaric and icaric at one point actually claimed that greg iron was faking his greebel paul for uh, for sympathy which is part of the reason for the match and the weird part about it is, like, the Guerrero Palm people killed him in a match against Johnny Gargano a couple of years ago, like, legit. Like, he had got a back concussion. They weren't in the, like, touch and go for a little bit. Yeah, so the fact that they were using it at all, it's just at an angle a fucking great heel heat anywhere you go. I don't, I don't care who you are.
0: And there is, at this time, uh, for the next, like, year plus, there is no bigger heel in Chikara than Icarus. Uh, you know, doing the watch along for Add Odds with Wrestling, you would see like maybe him programmed against a new character a new whomever that's coming out and like Icarus would come out and literally heal on every single person on all four sides of the front row before he even set foot in the ring as part of his entrance, just get in their face and yell at them make some sort of whatever and, you know, by the time that Icarus was done doing that, it did not matter who walked out through that curtain, they were getting cheered over this guy who just did this now I mentioned this eagle-eyed viewers may have noticed uh, I think and again I could be I could be wrong one of the fans that Icarus specifically heals on is a young uh weirdster Evan Adams who made it from Ohio to this show
3: <laughs> oh man
0: and if I'm wrong he'll correct me I knew he would came out for one of the big uh Arena Chikara shows I can't remember if it was this uh, trios or both, but there was definitely someone who res- reminded me of uh, the Weirdster who Icarus gave the business to, and I'm sure uh, Weird Body, the Weirdster, loved it.
3: So, did Icarus have a mask at one point? Did he lose his mask? I feel like I remember something about that, or did he never have one?
0: <laughs> yeah, in the early, early days of Chakar, like 2002, 2003, he was a tag team with Hollow Wicked as Ichabod Slain. And it was just like a generic, like skeleton-esque looking thing with the top cut out with his hair coming out. And he had lost a match against, I forget who the hell it was, because that was even before my Chikara days. Uh, But he had lost a hair versus mask or a mask versus mask match or whatever it was. Um, And I think the other show that I suggested, the Cibernetico from a year or two prior, from two years prior or the year prior rather, where Sweeney comes back and it was like all the Chikara Gen 1 guys. And when Icarus comes out as part as one of the Gen 1 guys, he comes out with the Ichabod slain outfit and mask and then promptly takes it off. But like the other reason for it was, is, you know, part of Icarus's heel heat was uh, the back tattoo, right? Mm. So in this match, because he's on the Chikara Gen 1 team and they're taking on the BDK, you don't want to have that spot where the crowd turns on Icarus. So he wrestled in the Ichabod slain thing, which was just very similar to what Hollow Wicked wears, which is just like the ripped up shirt with holes in it. But Icarus's shirt didn't have holes in the back. So nobody could see the tattoo to even give like the inkling to boo him for his ugly back tattoo. (laughs) And uh, I'm sure you also saw as Icarus came out, there was tons and tons of people in the crowd that had that worst in the world shirt. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously, this is around the time of Punk with his whole best in the world thing. Um, you know, I think the summer of Punk was like this year, 2011, oh, if yeah. right. So, you know, obviously, a lot of the Chikara br- or the, the CM Punk branding stuff is best in the world. Icarus Big Heel, worst in the world. And oh, boy, I tell you, he was so mad at those people. Oh, buying those worst-in-the-world shirts. Those definitely weren't his shirts being sold by someone else. And he was pocketing all that money in, like, the classic old-school, like, Memphis thing where they sell something to degrade the heel at ringside, and he sees people wearing it. And he's like, oh, I'm going to rip that picture up if you buy another picture of me caught picking my nose or whatever the hell it was. Um... (sighs) So, yeah, so I love I love um, I loved seeing that in retrospect, because uh, Icarus is still like he's done with wrestling. Uh, he's got like a family. He's got a real estate business thing that he's doing. But he's someone that I talk to almost on, like on a daily basis. And uh, getting to see this was like a fun reminisce of uh, kind of helping formulate that idea, like some of those worst in the world shirts.
3: <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I kind of figured it would, it had to be like something, uh, referencing a, uh, a character because like, yeah, the punk thing was this, uh, the year, you know, 2011. So I was like, uh, oh, I wonder who that was for, but yeah, okay. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. And then, uh, again, on commentary, you hear us mention that this was the time where quack was like really big. He was really into, um, who and what Greg could be. There was like a Twitter campaign. And again, it's 10 years ago, very early in the days of Twitter. Um, where there was like, uh, an online petition to try to get Greg in the Royal Rumble.
2: Yeah, Actually, fun, funny, funny story about that. We mentioned, okay. uh, Midwest wrestling earlier at, at the first show, forget who Gregory iron wrestled on that show. But at one point he gets thrown over the top rope and company in the front row go Gregory iron has been eliminated from the Royal Rumble.
3: I actually think it was Matt justice. He wrestled. It might've been, but yeah. Like, and I think, oh, sorry, uh, our one of our friends said that, and we we popped real big for it, and everybody kind of laughed at ringside because like that was his big thing at the time.
0: right. And that quack pulled the strings that he had. Like his childhood friend uh, was one of the f- hosts on the weekend edition of Fox and Friends before Fox and Friends became what it is today. And Greg got on there, obviously one to promote himself, two to promote uh, the Chikara event, but also three to pr- promote the Royal Rumble thing. And obviously this, I think, I don't know where this lines up in the timeline-wise where Punk, uh, no, so Punk going to the AAW show and kind of giving Greg the rub, I think was like this summer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was about three, yeah, it was about two weeks or so after Punk left the belt. I remember I, mean, I
2: didn't even, I've been like the following weekend after Punk won the yeah. belt and then quote-unquote disappeared. I mean, Punk was only right. gone like a, like two weeks or something before they brought him back.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, and definitely during this time as this was all building up um those those people uh those those dirty scumbag people pitching the idea of ophidian being in the bag for jake the snake definitely weren't pitching an idea uh where greg turned heel and like it would be filming a bunch of things of him going to like speak to kids and so on and so forth um, like the, all that emotional whatever whatever stuff and then somehow some way someone would be leaking the footage of Greg talking about the kids or talking about the people when the cameras weren't on and talking about how Greg would be the one of like oh no they're handicapped I'm not where like Greg had it in his mind that he wasn't handicapped all these other people were and again dirty scummy people like myself and Vingerard absolutely were not pitching these ideas little did we know uh, you know how greg's career path would go uh from there but uh you know me and G- <laughs> me and jerry had a lot of ideas good bad and different that's up to you uh but we we never stopped pitching ideas
3: oh my goodness
0: <laughs> i give greg iron a lot of credit though man. like it,
2: with greg opal you should not be in a wrestling ring and Greg is really freaking good. He always has been.
0: No, and, and you know when. Listen, whatever my uh, personal feelings on whatever, you know, being, uh, you know, AIW is in my heart, sort of thing. But I, I'm glad that Greg now is at a point where he doesn't do as much to put as much physical toll on himself with having a handicap. Mm-hmm. Where I think around this time, I think he felt he had to do a little bit more, and whether that be like more explosive offense or take a lot more bumps or whatever it is, because again, you know, he does definitely have a handicap and that does make your life a little bit more difficult, um, you know, and him getting to the point in wrestling that he did cannot be overlooked.
3: Yeah. He does have some great comedy chops too. Cause he did, he had a feud with RJ city and, uh, empire state wrestling. That was just amazing. Like every week they had, or like every show, they had another great thing and like the ending of it uh they deleted each other on twitter and they both died and then they came out won the tag belts as ghosts um they had instead of a hardcore match they had a softcore match where they used pillows and like uh foam uh the foam like pool noodles and stuff um they did a thing with gangrel where he ended up biting puff and puff became a vampire with gangrel uh Dude, there's some amazing. Like, they did a really amazing run there. I want to say it was like two or three years ago, and uh, I actually got to talk to Greg about it and stuff like that. And it, like he said, it was just it was so much fun. And like I think everybody should check that out if you haven't, because like he, it's seriously some of the funniest like stuff you'll see. Like uh, comedy wrestling, there's not a ton. Uh, I feel like anymore, uh, especially on the indies, like there's some here and there, but like that specific storyline with RJ city and, uh, Gregory iron was like a really fun, uh, watch.
0: Where does that stuff exist? Is that on, uh, Jerry's internet wrestling emporium?
3: I believe so. I know empire state wrestling has shows on there. I'm almost positive. It's all on there. So go seek that stuff
0: out, I guess.
2: Yeah. I'm getting back to this match here. Uh, great spot here. Icarus bringing in a chair, the referee, a fight come it, pull pulling it away from him, doesn't let him uke it. Quicker taking off his fanny pack and hit the guy in a loaded, loaded fanny pack. I pop for that. I love it. get <laughs> a low blow and a Death Valley driver called the Blu ray, getting Icarus the win in 12 minutes and 19 seconds. And then after the match, Icarus is going to continue the attack, and former tag team partner Gran Akuma comes out trying to make the cave. Go to kick. Rick in the head, and Mickey can catch his iron instead.
0: Voting yeah, something so,
2: for the next kingpin. So, right, again, everything's
0: so, got a purpose. Akuma had been gone for a variety of reasons, um, and he made his comeback. He would still been wrestling, and I think it was whether the road travel, whether it was a shoot job, whatever it was, but now he was back, and then he would be back until the shutdown angle and then would make periodic appearances there. And, uh, you know, Akuma is very active on Twitter. He's one of those, like, uh, Eric Stevens, like Twitter presences that are always remarking and commenting on wrestling.
3: Yeah. I want to say him and I have had a few exchanges. Um, cause I think he followed me uh, for a while and, uh, he was always interesting. Like I always, uh, kind of laughed at some of the stuff he'd post and like, he was always one of the interesting guys. Like I thought it was super cool. A that he followed me. And, like, I remember him from when I watched uh, some stuff, and, like, I knew he didn't really wrestle at the time, but, like, uh, he always had some interesting takes on stuff.
0: Yep. Uh, Kuma's another great guy. He and his uh, wife are great people, sorely missed in the world of professional wrestling.
2: I feel like I worked a show with Akuma back in the day, and I'm trying to remember if I'm, if I'm actually correct on that or if I'm mistaken. Would it have been out your way, or...? Yeah, it would have been more out my way why I'm kind of I can get to myself whether I'm actually remembering correctly. But Gotcha. There we go to our can, can my final main event or first main event if you want if if you prefer. We've got a no Qualification, Lucha de Apueta's match. Going to be Ultramanted Black and Hollow Wicked against Aerie and Tim Daunt. And we've got stipulation galore here. Ultramanted black or hollow wicked. Drop the fall, they have to unmask. If Tim don't dropped the fall, he has to lose and care. And if Aaron drops the fall, he has to give up the Eye of Tear. So I'm gonna admit I'm a little bit ignorant on this one, Joe. I'm gonna to defer to you. What exactly is the Eye of Tear and why did it why was this important for this match?
0: Uh the Eye of Tear was essentially like a MacGuffin, just in storyline purposes, an item of ultimate power. Um that, you know, as a user of the Eye of Tear, you get like one shot to do something with it and it will always be like to mind control someone or to like reverse like whatever it was. Um Mantis got it when he was a heel in like 06 or 07, uh 07 it would have been and got Delirious to turn heel and join his group um the bdk was coming for it and mantis had given it to Vokader, who was just like a guy in like a robot gimmick or whatever it was gave it to vocoder for safekeeping who was like an ally of mantis and it turns out that vocoder really tim donst in whatever and this is how they end up using delirious to turn back and then i think years later um uh, mantis would then use it again to um, turn Hollow, Wicked, and Frightmare to become heel, or someone else would use it to turn them heels. This might have been after I was gone from Chikara, but essentially it was just like a storyline MacGuffin to get someone to turn heel. It's very,
3: very comic book like. I like it. Yes,
0: kind of, kind of similar to
2: if you were watching Lucha Underground back in the day, that little gauntlet that Derrick Quado gave Brian Cage at one point. R-
0: sure. Yeah. Again, you know, I, I you know, you, you'd see people refer to. Uh, Lucha Underground is West Coast Chikara or whatever. Uh, a lot of that stuff would happen there. And obviously any sort of promotion that's Lucha inspired. Um, you know, people are gonna draw parallels to stuff that has gone on or is going on in Chikara.
2: Okay, so the match is no DQ. Go. So it basically it starts on the floor, they're on the floor for a while early on. Uh there's a spot where we go for a, a pile driver off the step into some chair, but then getting back backdrop onto the chair and can stay instead, which just looked kick. Uh, we do get uh, Jakob Hammermeyer coming out to interfere against Tala of Wicked and Crossbones coming out to make the caves. Get, got a big pop for that. I'm I'm going to assume there's a story there, Joe. Again, I'm going to defer to you on that. I, I, I'm not familiar with Crossbones at
0: all. Uh, Crossbones was one of the original, like, Mantis group people back when it was uh, Mantis, Crossbones, and Hydra. Uh, Hydra, of course, stepped away from wrestling for a very long period of time until returning just uh, this past year at the LVAC Real Rumble show, Crossbones moved out to Texas, where he's actually a very successful uh, tattoo artist and was on one of those tattoo competition shows maybe about uh, a couple years back. And he did pretty well in that, didn't win the whole thing, but still made a very good showing for himself. Um, and it was one of those things, it's like, hey, uh, we got a spot for you. If you want to come and do this run-in, if you're going to be in town, let's do it. And he was in town and they did it. So everybody dunk. everybody done a
2: bunch of cool stuff they hit a bunch of finisher uh, we get a spot near the end where uh, Eric go for a go for a tiger driver onto a chair although we can make the cave Don't looks like he's gonna come in and help out Eric and he just like you know what nope I'm gonna cave my hair I'm leaving and that ends up completing to a northern light bomb ultimate pinning Eric in 1241 to win back the ayateer Tear and actually earning their third point for a right to challenge for the Tag Team Championship at a later date. So lots of good stuff here, good storytelling, building something for the future, blowing off an angle at the same time.
0: I like it. And I think this was Aries' last match for some time in Chikara until like maybe the return of the, the return from the shutdown angle. Uh, Ares and his family live in Las Vegas. So it was getting a hassle on all parts to get a flight for him to come out and I think the mutual decision was made to write him out on this show until need uh, need be. There was no hard feelings or whatever, Um, but once Claudio got signed by WWE that summer um i think the bdk had kind of lost everything that it really needed to so this was just kind of like the pairing down of the bdk where it eventually just gets down to being Donst and uh Yaka by the end of 2012. and of course oh and so in this match of course being at the ecw arena whatever it's called at this time it's always the ecw arena uh with every person having a stipulation of course i wanted to and in my heart wanted to call it the an ultimate jeopardy match which is what those matches in ECW would always be called. And this was another, like, as close to Chikara could approximate in ECW-style brawl at the ECW arena. So I think storyline-wise, angle blowing off-wise, all those sort of things being blown off-wise. And I don't remember, I don't think it happens here. I think it happens maybe in a backstage skit. I don't remember if it was, like, at the end of this DVD. I think it maybe it happens somewhere else where... Mantis regaining control of the Eye of Tear uses it to free Delirious, right? Um, Because they, you know, Mantis was the one who originally used it on Delirious to get Delirious to turn. Ares is the one that uses it on Delirious to get Delirious to join the BDK. And then Mantis uses it on Delirious to free him from both of those previous mind control things. And then Delirious runs off into the distance, into the wilderness, into the forest, screaming um like three years five years or something whatever it is that uh he wakes up he realizes that x amount of years of his life have been stolen by the eye of tear and he now is going to make mantis's life a living hell in chikara and steal those years from chikara from mantis or whatever it is but that's how they bring delirious back but as a heel but as like a heel with his own purpose, as opposed to being like the lackey of Mantis being the lackey of the BDK,
1: but
2: <laughs> cut like, up for that is not on on the here. You know, there is a kind of a post credit team we'll get to that. Okay,
3: that's awesome. But we're gonna, I love that. I love that that's like just a thing that could happen here. This is, this yeah, is just amazing.
2: <laughs> it's wrestling, why the hell not? You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and before we get to the main event here, okay, and a lot of people think I don't like comedy wrestling because I am more of an old school guy. I like comedy wrestling in the, in the right setting, and if it's a group like Chikara where I know this is what they do, I'm perfectly okay with 95% of what they're going to do because it's all going to at least make sense in the context of what they're doing. I get annoyed with comedy wrestling where they're doing a match where it's just ridiculous comedy make makes no sense with anything else that you're doing on the show. That's when I start getting re- getting annoyed with it.
0: I, I'm an old school guy as well. You know, like I said, I've been watching wrestling since 1984. Um, again, I'm an old. And, uh, you know, I'm all for all kinds of things, but I absolutely get where you're coming from. Sometimes, uh, so <sighs> comedy in all forms, whether it be wrestling or stand-up or a movie or a TV show, is all subjective. The thing that I find funny isn't going to be the fa- thing that Jayhawk is going to f- thing that uh charlie butters isn't gonna find funny sometimes a joke overplays its welcome sometimes the joke needs more setup than we've been presented with or sometimes the person is just telling a joke i don't know uh how far back your stand-up fandom goes uh but in eddie murphy raw he tells a joke uh in there essentially saying that people take my jokes and go tell them to their buddies at work after coming to see me and they screw them all up and people think I'm not funny. It's like, no, I'm funny. You just don't know how to tell my jokes. Um, and I think that's a lot of times what it is in Chikar. Like somebody will see something work in a humorous way, And they're like, oh, I could do that. It's like, no, you can't. It's a timing thing. It's a character thing. It's a moment thing. It's an audience thing. You know, wrestling can happen anywhere. You know, um, a match can happen, whether it's a good match or a bad match is completely subjective. But a comedy match needs a special audience, a special crowd, the right people doing it. It needs all these different pieces for it to work. And I think Chikara is one of those places where, for the most part, it had the best... uh, success right and you're and you're not going to turn
2: around and and example if you're doing a show in like Knoxville Tennessee with a southern wrestling crowd you're not going to turn around and have a tag team match where Geiger working in slow motion and shit like that yeah well
0: I'll give you that but I'll also say uh, one of the most beloved slash hated slash beloved spots and again I say this all the time um, you know, and it, it would happen like every Memphis tag match, and it would happen like every Spot Show Midnight Express match. And I'm gonna say the water pump spot. Do you know what I mean when I say the water pump spot? I I I love the water
2: pump, the water pump spot where the 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 manager yeah, uh, baked the pump on your arm like two or three times, and all of a sudden the baby face turned it around. He ducked it on the heel by mistake.
0: Right. That's a Memphis spot. That's a Memphis comedy spot. You know what I mean? Like, and that works there. So, like, why that working in Memphis wouldn't, like, the Invisible Grenade work? You know, like, six of one, half a dozen the other. You know, I could make the argument either way. But, you know, we're talking about uh, the previous match and Akuma and everything else like that. Akuma, for the longest time, aided that spot. Hate, 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 hated the water pump spot. And it was like almost like practically a staple of a Los Ice Creams match, right? So it got to a point where he hated the match. He hated that spot so much, other non Los Ice Creams people would always attempt to call it in matches with him. <laughs> and he would just get so pissed off he's like i hate that spot so much i hate that spot so much so eventually i think it's one of the joshimania shows where he finally relents and says you know what fuck it we'll do the goddamn water pump spot i don't care let's do it you know so they do it and he's like holy shit that was so much fun it's like he's like i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna make it look like i'm ripping the guy's arm off you know and he goes out there and he makes it look like He's ripping the guy's arm off. So then when it makes it look like he's ripping the guy's arm off to his own partner, it gets a bigger reaction. So he's like, I love this spot now. Yeah, and
2: that's a classic spot because you can use that in a curious match. It's not unbelievable bullshit comedy. I can can believe in the context of a of a of a real fight where you've got a manager at ringside interfering. I, I know I'm. I, I know that sounds Kind of ridiculous when I say it out loud, but I can. <laughs> but I can believe in the context that we have it in that this could actually happen.
0: Sure, right, and obviously, like you know, the invisible grenade may be like a bridge too far for some folks. But you know, obviously, if it's the manager or a tag team partner or whatever it is, like if I reach back. And I just like randomly grab an arm. I'm going to look to double check, you know, like I'm going to make sure like that's literally l- literally taking a half a second glance over your shoulder destroys the water pump spot and it still gets over, you know? Yeah, and-
3: yeah I wasn't 100% sure what you guys were talking about at first. Now I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh- what- it took me a second. Good, I got it.
0: At the Chandler Biggin show, uh, they did it, I think it was was a it Duke and uh, uh, Derek did it in their match. Yeah. But yeah. D- Derek and Ziggy definitely did it in their match. I can't remember if it was the Duke match or whatever, um, but yeah, yeah. So that's one of those things where like, maybe the timing was just slightly off and maybe I think they did glance and see it was the wrong guy. But again, I'm nitpicking here because that's just sometimes what I do. Um, but the water pump spot always gets over. Uh, don't do it. In, don't do it in every match. No. But it should be on like every third card. Yeah, I, I every time I ever
2: called Lord Golden and Trenton Steel version of Doink in a match, I, they did that spot every time. Yeah, because it's awesome. Yeah, and and it got over every time.
3: I do gotta okay. say, I love uh, Jared that you are so into this because like I feel like. I'd have a blast just reviewing Chikara shows with you because of like all the different like story stuff that goes into all this. Like I feel like this is right up your alley, even with the comedy. Like I feel like it's still there's enough wrestling and technical stuff here to just keep you interested.
2: Yeah, and and the storytelling and how things are come come together. Right. I mean, I yeah, I've I've always said if you're going to do PG wrestling, model it after Chikara. That Chikara and PG wrestling done right.
3: Yeah.
0: And, and, you know, what? obviously, as you mentioned, you know, um, what Chakar is and Chakar was kind of looked at like, I'll never forget, like the DOI boards would always shit on Chakar saying like, oh, it's Mortal Kombat wrestling. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, that that sounds pretty goddamn badass to me, you know, yeah, like yeah. Mortal yeah, Kombat I've- but wrestling, sign me up, you know? Um, so like they would say that kind of as a knock on Chakar, which I don't think that it is. Um, but, you know, everything that we've discussed is a little bit of something. And then there's the main event. Yeah, and that
2: main event is the final of the 12 lars Comet to crown the first ever G- Chicago Grand Champion, Eddie Kingston, against Mike Krakenbush. Uh, and let's talk for, for a minute here about why it is called the 12 lars Comet. Obviously, the tournament was announced at the beginning of the season. They were going to do it. And unfortunately, before the tournament could get started, we lost Queen Tower Larry Queenie. Uh, I have I only met Larry Queenie once very briefly. I was at a show that he was on. I didn't work the show. I only talked to him kind of briefly at the intermission. Joe, I know you've got some stories. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Larry Queenie for those of our listeners who may not be familiar?
0: Yeah, uh, Alex was the best, man. Um, you know, one of those guys who could do it all, could connect with the crowd, um, and lived a life so big and so rich outside of Chikara. Um, there's not a person that did not see him work or considered him a friend or called him a friend that still does not think about him to this day. Um, You know, I know Bryce and Eddie and Mantis were like those three guys, I would say in Jigsaw, uh, those four guys would probably say that those were his closest friends in Chikara. And you couldn't find four people more different than Bryce and mantis and kingston and jigsaw in their personal lives but sweeney alex connected with them and he was one of those guys that was so welcoming in a locker room to new people coming in he was the one that was all like he never said no to an idea or a storyline or a spot or an anything but he would always make it his own he would always do the best and like he was relatively new in the business at the same time that I was relatively new in the business, but obviously he had gone through training. Uh, you know, he had worked like as a traveling carnival barker for years. He lived in India and taught students English in India. He did so much and then he decided I want to be a professional wrestler and everything that he decided to do, he was fantastic at, but like, very early in his Chikara career, uh, where he became, like, essentially a phenomenon. Um, You know, just like this huge, bright, shining star that so many other places wanted him. And, you know, if he was, like, five inches taller, he would have went to WWF, and he ends up going to Ring of Honor, and they only saw him as a manager, and he was the best goddamn manager that was ever in Ring of Honor. Um, You know, and sadly, his life um, you know, was, you know, he was taken from us, at a very young age, and I, I can't imagine what he would be doing now, and people would be like, oh, you would have been canceled by now. It's like, no, so he was too smart, man. Um, that was the thing about him. When he had his faculties, when he was fired on all cylinders, there was no one smarter, there was no one better in um, connecting, speaking, conveying, doing the little things about wrestling that people take for granted. And, you know, you could be the best mechanical worker in the in the world and do the flashiest transition from uh wrist lock to uh dropped hold to a head- headlock or you could do the fanciest shooting star press in the world but if you can't connect with an audience they're not going to care as much as larry sweeney doing like the old memphis hiding the object under his armpit stick you know um but yeah so again he passed he you know it felt as though a lot of like he had passed i think that april i think it was it was maybe about two weeks before trios that year and uh like that i'll never forget where i was uh when i found the news of it it was just one of those things that just crushed me Just like it, i think it crushed a lot of people and uh you know he was just one of the best taken too soon and uh you know i wish there was more being done to memorialize him to this day but you know, obviously. A lot of people move on, but I do know a lot of people still remember and very think highly and fondly of Sweeney. Uh, Whether be once a year, once a month, or once a day, Uh, I know there's a lot of people that still think about him all the time.
2: One of the unofficial events at the Cauliflower Alley Club every year. That one just started from by some boy that wanted to have some fun at the bar one night. They now do the Jackie Fargo, Larry Queenie, Tech Arcana strut off. Oh, that's fantastic. They do it they do it they do it at like midnight at the fucking hotel bar and if that whoever wants to do it can do it. They do team k two and it takes like it's like a three-hour thing. They do like a they do like three rounds and so many over every round to get to the final two. It's hilarious. Every year everybody having a great time and everybody and people just start telling Larry
0: Queenie story because they knew him after that. It's fucking great. Yeah. and like I said, he was one of those guys that He connected with, like, old school fans and the old school guys, you know, like, anytime a promotion would bring in an old school worker, you know, it would always be with or against Sweeney. Um, The old school fans, I think, understood what Sweeney was doing and got him, and then he appealed to, like, the new school fans as well. Um, you know, cause a lot of times that stuff that Sweeney was doing might've been new to them and it got them to look into It's like, well, why is this? And who is that? And this name that he mentioned and this town that he says, you know, all these different things. And Sweeney was just a master. And that's so great to hear that, uh, you know, unofficially even, uh, Cauliflower Alley pays that sort of respect to Sweeney, you know?
3: Yeah. Then I feel kind of left out here cause I really don't have, like, I didn't, I've only, seen and heard of heard stories of him um after his passing and you know every year um they always do like a a run of the shirt and like people tell stories and that kind of thing and i'll see lots and lots of clips on like his birthday and uh you know everybody remembering him and stuff like that And that's all i really have um to really know him by and like from all accounts like he seems like one of the best ever and it's like it sucks I didn't get to experience him uh, when he was alive and around and, and doing stuff. And I, I kind of want to dig back in and see some of his Chikara stuff now, because I, I feel like I'm I'm definitely missing some stuff uh, by not knowing uh, about him as much as everybody else seems to know.
2: Absolutely. It's out there. Yeah. And I will uh, and I will say uh, there are a lot of people when Queenie was really got his peak in Ring of Honor that went if the manager is going to come back in prominent Larry Queenie going to be the guy to do it he was that good yep he he, yeah, he definitely won the best new I'm not going to quite put him in that Keenan Hayman Coronet type
0: of tier but he was right at the bottom of it if he's not in that tier
2: he's really goddamn
0: good yep for sure um and like I said a lot of that stuff you know and you, you think about it he was only in Ring of Honor for like not even two years maybe um Maybe a little bit longer, but like he had such a connection with the crowd and obviously it was never like the national stage that, you know, your Cornets and your Heenan's and Haymans had. But he was damn close. Can so we get into the tournament golf and this is more of a Japanese style
2: tournament round robin, 12 guy, two block kick, two point for a win, one for a draw,
0: none for a loss. Yep. And uh so that was, you know, very much Quack-inspired. You know, as he as much as he loved uh, new generation era WWE, he loved Japanese wrestling. So to be able to do a tournament, a singles tournament in this style was, like, right up his alley, you know? round robin tournament tournaments were
2: not done nearly enough in the United States. I wish War Plague would do them. Of course, most Plague don't want to run more than once a month. It's hard to do them if you're not running on a somewhat regular basis anyway. What do I get it? But right but there's no rink in a, an roh type couldn't do that for like the pure tournament or something
0: yeah absolutely or you know some sort of indie promotion that does run on a semi-regular basis um you know crown of the champion or you know the tournament something you know a new uh, putting a new title out there um but yeah and again i think it's just um maybe i think a lot of folks so okay so another part of it is of course um when you do it over the course of this and we do mention this on commentary um you know here's this tournament that we set up to begin in May that's going to run all the way to November with 12 guys great now you got to take into consideration people getting signed by WWE like Claudio did you got to take into consideration people getting hurt in the tournament like Brody Lee did right um so now you have to like you know where your beginning point is you know where your end point is and now you have to factor in like injuries and people getting signed or people just deciding like, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, there's a million different things that can happen. So I think that's part of the reason why, especially like in American wrestling, people don't do it. Um, But, you know, Jay, you make a great point, like something with ring of honor, when they were doing their, you know, their bulk tapings during the, the peak of the pandemic, this would have been perfect for them to do something similar like
1: this.
3: I believe I want to say it was St. Louis Anarchy was trying to do a round Robin concept um as like show like to get shows going like they had different blocks and stuff like that and unfortunately the pandemic uh really you know took a turn around thanksgiving and stuff and they had end up having to cancel the rest of the shows for the year and uh stuff like that so that all got canceled but like yeah that kind of thing definitely was uh an idea that would have definitely worked and i know unfortunately like you know having live crowds Uh, it was ruined, but like, yeah, doing it without the crowds. I think that could have been a perfect thing too. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: And the only company I can think of doing it, doing one of the recently what TNA, when they did their bound for glory hearing, they did, and they did three of them and literally got one of them. Right. It's like the one I remember going to a TNA taping when they were on the, on the road in Cleveland. And they're like, well, the Brown for glory here is gonna wrap up here. And it's like, they're guys that have only had like three fucking matches, like how it like over already. Like you yeah, no one could fucking plan ahead for this shit.
0: Yeah, I, I remember them. And that's the thing, is like, you know, they tried, man. They they really did, but you know, they they've gone through so many regime changes and god only knows what coulda, shoulda, would have been happening at the time they were trying to pull that off. Um, but like I said, it's tough. It's, it's, it's tougher than you think. You, th- you think on paper, oh, this is easy. Nothing in wrestling is easy. Well, I'm not, not going to say it. I'm not going to say Even if everybody stays healthy, like,
2: Zeke have to be really perfectly well planned to get to your end point. Yep. Especially, especially if you want those last couple of matches to all mean something. And, that, and a lot of people give Ghetto shit about him booking in New Japan, but I think one thing he is good with is the round robin tournament. There's always three or four
0: people in each block in the hunt that final night. And it all makes sense. And, right, how- and again, I, I wish I could answer why it works. And, you know, with little to no concern or issue in Japan, but America just hasn't been able to, like, bottle that, if you will.
2: Well, with with Japan having the touring schedule where they're doing, you know, 25 straight shows and then taking the time off, you can just make that one tour. Okay, here's the round robin tournament.
0: Yeah. And you don't have to worry about being it being spread over six months. You get it spread over, like, a month. Right.
2: And that, that's, that's, what, and what, right that's right. what it is. is. That's what they did in Japan more than anything else. If they they already know, okay, it's gonna be the G1. is normally gonna be in August. I think it's October of this year. But we are we know August the G1 month here. The date for it. It's gonna be done here. Right. Because the final do come down to Eddie Kingston and Mike Quackenbush, and we get the match here for the Grand Championship. And there's some good stuff here. Uh, before the match starts, they have a video package highlighting determine how we got here, and then Eddie Kingston who been fucking great for way too goddamn long and should have been signed by a major company well before fucking a year ago, cut one of the most emotional promo I've ever heard. I mean, he had, he had so passionate he had turning red. I keep cutting the promo.
3: Yeah. He gets redder and redder as the promo goes on. And I was like, I really caught that. I was like, wow. And he just, he sucked me into that promo man. Like he is, he's got a gift for the promo. Oh my God.
2: And he talking about how cloak he was with Larry Queenie. Now he has to win the title. Because got determined in Larry Queenie's memory, and he he will never forgive himself if he doesn't win the title. I think it was really fucking good.
0: Yeah, Kingston's the best, man. And, uh, you know, you say, uh, how come it took this long for Kingston to be uh, signed, you know? Um, uh, talking about kind of what I did before with Sarah Del Rey. It's like, sometimes you get an offer that you don't think is good. Uh, you know, how many times did he, like, toy with being signed by Impact and whatever happened there? Uh, there was at least two different instances of him almost getting signed by WWE and you know I think he finally found and like and that's the thing is when it comes it comes this was his time Um, and I think uh, you know I I don't want to say that Kingston's doing the best work of his career because I think that puts um, discredit on the stuff that he's done before but as Charlie you mentioned Eddie Kingston has been this good this long I'm just glad more and more people are now getting a chance to see it
3: well i probably think wwe didn't sign him because that time he he did a murder on that kid but you know
0: well the time that they, the first time they were almost going to sign him was before he did the murder on a kid
3: okay yeah that's just their fault then at that point they they missed out so
0: <laughs> but this match is awesome i love this match yes. um you know as you talk about like people like oh chakar is just goofy stuff or chakar is just flips or chakar is just whatever Show them this match. Like this is Chikara as well. This is this is just as much Chikara as Cole Cabana versus Archibald Pack, or the Invisible Grenade, or you know the Eye of Tear, or whatever it is. Um, and the one one of the things that I love so much about this match that of all the people to end up playing subtle heel and essentially a babyface babyface match, the person that ends up playing subtle heel is Quack, which is crazy at the time. And the fact that at this point, Chikari had been running shows for nine years and Chik- Kingston and Quack had been there since more or less day one, obviously Quack day one, Kingston shortly thereafter. And this was the first time they ever had a singles match. Wow. I was not aware of that. That makes it even fucking better right Right there too. Yeah, and like I said, I mentioned on commentary, like they had ta- they've been in tag matches, they've been partners in tag matches, st- tr- you know, six-man matches, eight-man matches, cyberneticos all that sort of stuff. Never up until this point had they ever had a singles match. So for it to be this big culmination for the title, um, you know, just added so much more to what was already, a, you know, as it turned out being a fantastic match.
2: One, one nice little touch I, that I enjoyed here is when we get about halfway into the match, about the 10 minute marker go, a locker room starts to empty. And it's not just the guys we've seen on the card. It's guys that aren't on the card, like Dasher Hatfield come out, Sugar Dunkerton come out. And then there are guys that haven't even been in the company in a long time that are coming out. Reckless Youth come out, Hydra come out. Like, like I love that little touch here. This match is so important that not only at the locker room ending, but all the guys who aren't even with the company anymore came back to watch this match and be at ringside for it. Love that touch.
0: Yep, and uh, you know, obviously, Chikar would do that. Uh, you know, more often than not, but it was very much a Japanese sort of thing, um, where there's a big title match. I know there were some of those like um bdk tag title defenses the year prior as it was getting closer and closer because when claudio and aries were the tag team champions they were beating tag teams two falls straight and that's the other thing so all the champion artist de parejas tag matches were always two out of three falls so they were just clobbering guys to uh, like two falls straight, like just beating everyone, like beat the pants off everyone. And then the very first time that the locker room empties is the first time that someone, and I think it was like 3.0 of all team were the ones that got like that first fall on Claudio and Aries and, obviously eventually down the road when they would lose the titles, 3.0 being the first team to get that first fall on them was just as big as them winning the titles, Yeah, you know? Wow. So to build something like that up, um, you know, so smart of Jakar to do to handle this, uh, such an important storyline, but uh, yeah, I love, you know, add something special to it and then obviously wasn't done here, but another thing that quack took from Japan, specifically Osaka Pro, Anytime, new town, and it was a babyface finish. Storyline dictates it's a babyface finish. Is that's how it goes. Um, to even further send the ho- the folks home happy, the babyfaces would line up at the exit way. So as the fans are leaving, they get an opportunity to get that one-on-one moment with every single babyface on the show. And then obviously, you know, if you're leaving and like, especially like sometimes there would be like a separate area. It's like, here's where the wrestling is. You go to a separate area and here's where merchandise is. It would typically work better in those instances uh, as opposed to where everything's kind of like all in the same one area. Um, But, you know, Chikar was always really big on that, like making uh, when... The baby faces would come out, large groups of the roster would come out, whether it be something like the end of this match or something like the Osaka farewell, it was as it was called. Um made it mean more something more special to give someone that moment that like this means something or I get this special moment, or I got an opportunity to like shake hands. Like maybe when whomever it was came out, they didn't slap my hand, but I'm leaving the building today and I got a slap chance to slap everybody's hand. And if, especially if you're a kid, uh, you know, you're a young wrestling fan, you still believe whatever it is. And even if you don't believe sometimes that means a lot more than you think.
2: Yeah. But I could that this match is fantastic. Eddie Kingston nursing a an injured knee here. I don't know if the injury was legit or storyline. Doesn't matter, because Eddie Kingston, he's going to fucking sell it like hell anyway. That's what the bulk of Moffin can go into. Eddie actually, you can uh, quite a few submissions in this match as well. That I don't want to take out a character for Eddie, because obviously he's capable
0: of it. But that's not what you really expect out of an Eddie Kingston match. Right. Uh, And that's the thing. Eddie Kingston could do it all and can do it all and does it all. Eddie Kingston's the best. Go. Eddie is able to kick out of the Quack and Driver 3, locked in a clover
2: leaf. Everybody thinks that the finish, but Quack is able to get to the rope. Uh, they get back to their feet. Quack and Bush hit King Thing with a palm strike. And Eddie answers back with a lariat, a backdrop driver, a tiger cuplex, and then two backfits to the future to get the pin and the title in 1751. The, the plank explode, not quite to the level of Eddie showing up at AIW in April, but big pop. And then. Larry Queenie's brother and a friend of his come out to present the belt to Kingston and Kingston and c- cutting a promo. Uh, challenging record from WWE and TNA. He mentioned Tina, Punk, Triple H, AJ style by name. Saying hey, no one can touch Chakara. crowd start chaining for Larry Queenie. And that he actually turned it into a Chikara Chan at the end. And that's how they end up going off the air. So great stuff there in that main event. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go 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 for it, Joe.
0: So I was going to say, so, you know, obviously there had been a, a little bit of a to-do more recently um, in Eddie Kingston making those off-camera remarks or, like, sending the crowd home happy sort of thing and talking about other promotions. Like, that was something new. Um, You know, that's Eddie Kingston. Um, You know, if Eddie Kingston, like, even if a promotion does not mention the other promotions or other wrestlers that do not wrestle there, um, you know, by Eddie Kingston making those remarks whether it be 10 years ago or four months ago at a dynamite taping um eddie kingston makes you believe him, man he makes you believe what he's saying is real uh no one could get that emotion out of folks and uh whether it be live in person in a positive way or maybe online in a negative way uh eddie kingston gets your emotions going that's why uh anytime i get a chance to see him wrestle or anytime i get a chance to talk about i got a big smile on my face yeah, I, I really hope
2: Eddie gets to run with the AEW title at some point, because nothing else, whether whether people are a fan of his magic or not, his promo are going to kill a lot of fucking pay-per-view.
0: Hell yeah, man. And uh, that's, you know, that's why he had been consistently given the ball and different opportunities. I don't know, um, you know, it's none of my business if he's hurt right now or whatever it is that he's mostly been doing commentary um, on Dark Elevation. But knowing Eddie the way that I do getting a chance to commentate professional wrestling with Tony Schiavone every week like I don't know that's that's just probably just as cool as like beating up somebody in the ring you know yeah, yeah it would be for me <laughs> right, it would be for you hack like a
2: commentator <laughs> right because right, there is one quote, uh post credit scene that they the gone to feed here apparently on the DVD release can well uh Ultramanthic Black is talking to Ken Bodhi backstage and offer him the IFT if he'll leave Shakara and Kunikin Bodhi walks off with it. Ultramanus Black reveal he's still got the real Eye of
0: Tear. I don't know where that was supposed to lead. I don't know if that was going to be more um, stuff with Sin Bodhi, but obviously that was one of those things that just kind of ended up going nowhere. But I think part of the Eye of Tear lore is uh, you have to give it away to someone um like it, you only get to like do it the one time but i think the the logic behind that is is by mantis um it's like if you've ever seen the movie army of darkness uh, it's kind of when ash tries to take the book by coughing the last word um and says klaatu niktu uh, 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 and then goes okay i said the three words but you can't trick like magic or fantasy or whatever it is because when you try to trick it it knows and it always ends up uh biting in the ass and i guess uh that's what leads to when mantis uses it on delirious it does not work out the way that he had intended it to yeah
2: and if anybody looking did not familiar with him he he's also a perfect guy for for shakara
0: yeah i think he's another guy in vegas uh he actually has done some training stuff in recent years, uh, like guest trainer spots at the uh, performance center for WWE, yeah, he had he actually have run his own promotion in Vegas called Freak Show
2: Wrestling. Yeah, there you go. I, 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 another guy. If, if you really get to get down and talk to him, pick and bring, really knowledgeable about the wrestling business. Yeah, but I can, but I can definitely see why he didn't make it in WWE. Because he he is so far out there. So if
0: you remember his debut vignettes in WWE. Um, though, like, they were, like, very, like, carnival, whatever, whatever. Uh, At the time, I think he was living in my neck of the woods, and I say my neck of the woods, like, the Allentown area, and they went to film those at the Bloomsburg Fair, which is, like, this big, like, week-long fair that happens in the greater northeastern Pennsylvania area Uh, because my buddy Tony was there when they were filming it, and he's a fan, and he had sent me a message, uh, or he would called me when he got home because, again, this was before, like, really text messages were, like, that much of a thing. Um, But, yeah, I think more notably I saw... Uh, Sin posts that he or a friend of his was doing custom LJNs and did a custom, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard and Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey LJNs, and they're fantastic. I, I might have to get in touch with him if he's doing that. I know they're probably not be cheap, but I'm a big LGN mark anyway. Oh. Yeah, I know um, Sidney Bacabella uh, actually does them as well. I think they're for his own personal collection, but, you know, when it comes to Sydney Bacabella, you can get anything for a price. Uh, <laughs> but I guess he had modded a bunch of, like, Rick Rudes that he had gotten on the cheap as Orange Cassidy's, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> and they look really cool, too, you know?
3: well i have a feeling it's going to be unanimous but are we all thumbs up on this
0: hell yeah i would say so yeah yeah, yeah. you know uh, i think the audio on the commentary helped um not having to hear my voice the whole time cause <laughs> i really get tripped up hearing myself when i'm watching wrestling um but having to watch stuff for my podcast of course i think has kind of like developed a callous on me that i don't it doesn't bug me as much good yeah, that that was definitely that was definitely a fun three hour. I had the I had the, a the show at uh, 240.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Paper pay-per-view length. Typical pay-per-view length. It can not PPV. pay per
3: Yeah, this is a lot yeah. of fun. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, and Yeah, thank cool.
2: you for thank you for having me on as well, of course. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, Joe. I definitely want to do that with you again come somewhere down the line. Obviously we don't want you to uh Overdo your welcome here, but every every three months or so, I'd like to get you back on.
0: For sure. My my goal is, of course, to get Ed on more podcasts, because I think the world needs to be exposed more often to Ed. <laughs> no more unwieldy hashtag campaigns for Ed. A lot of it's all done in private. I think the uh, hashtag campaign for getting Ed on Between the Sheets was all done tongue in cheek sort of way. Maybe I knew he was going to be on months in advance, so that's why I went forward with such an annoying thing. <laughs> um but also if i can get adam my partner on Add uh, adds with wrestling on more stuff uh so you know i'm not saying get him today or next or whatever it is but uh, keep them in mind, make sure if you could get him to find a show that has multiple hour long Iron Man matches on it. <laughs> uh, he loves that sort of thing. Uh-huh. No, no. And uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe if they ever
2: put that hero, three and a half hour deal on IWTV, we'll do that with them. But no, nah, we'll get yeah, we'll yeah. probably oh, get You
0: know what? You should make him watch it at some point. The 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 hero punk, 93 minute, whatever, whatever match. When that shows up on IWTV, it's like, Adam, you're our guest. You like CM Punk, right? Here's one of his most notorious matches. Oh,
3: are they try to tear the whole building down. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to have him on. I, I do enjoy uh, teasing him on Twitter all the time about his fascination with Alexa Bliss. Uh-huh. Uh, but I have helped him procure some of his, uh, his uh, collection of figures. Uh, a few times I, I was able to provide him with a link to get uh some Walmart exclusive Azreal figures, you know. Uh, I guess I would uh, say I'm like a uh maybe a Scotty Pippen for him or or, or somebody uh well, he- you
0: Who was the coach of the Bulls? Um Phil oh, Jackson. Yeah, so you're the Phil Jackson of Azreal action figure collecting <laughs> yeah. if he is the Michael Jordan of Azreal action figure collecting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right, well, we've been going
2: on for a very long time. That could be, be our longest podcast ever by far, but I think it's one of our best um, and, I'm, and I'm not even blowing hook up your ass. No, I really do believe nope. that
3: this is definitely going to be uh,
0: an all-timer. I feel it. Well, thank you. It never fails. Whenever I want a podcast, it's always like, they always say, well, that was our longest episode ever. It's like, Hey, joking, can't the hell up. You know?
3: No, that's <laughs> hey. dude. I'll tell well, you no. what though, hearing these stories and like what could have been and stuff like that. It's so entertaining and so fun. Like, you've opened this world to me. Like, it's so cool. I can't wait to, I'm going to seriously expect messages from me like in the next week. Cause I'm going to start <laughs> watching stuff and I am I might have questions. So I might start bugging you a lot more about stuff.
0: It's never, it's fun. never bugging. You got questions. I got answers.
3: Awesome.
2: Yeah. Well, I could definitely do the cold day. We're still only like a third of the length of a, of a between the sheet episode. Cause we're in good shape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you yeah, ever- I okay that I okay that I tried to look in the between the sheets, when Ed was gone and I couldn't think. Okay, well Ed's gonna come back later in the show. I'm like, okay, where's that fucking time stamp? <laughs> that got well, like half I, the show out.
0: Yeah, I never, I, I never listened to the Japanese stuff. I was never really a big Japanese wrestling fan. Uh, but if I look at the notes and I recognize something happened during that time frame, I'll listen. Um, you know, that's just you know, it it helps things go by a little bit. I've got an old time uh, MP3 player because again. Uh, That's just the way that I roll, but I know a lot of times folks uh, who, whatever they listen to their podcast on, you know, that one time or that times 1.2 or times 1.3, it's a very, uh, you can't notice a difference, but it sometimes helps out of those six, seven hour podcasts (laughs) cutting off about uh, uh, 40 minutes or so, you know? All right, well, Joe, we
2: are going to go ahead and let let you go getting late. Do you have any plugs or anything here before 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 we call it a night here?
0: Yeah, yeah, so I seamlessly worked into the discussion. Uh, the main podcast that I do, Longbox Heroes, which is a weekly comic book uh, podcast, kind of like a weekend review of the the news and notes and reviews of stuff. We talk about some of the major movies and TV shows uh, in the world of comic books. There's so many TV shows, you can't watch them all, so we do pick and choose there. Uh, Add Odds with Wrestling, myself and Adam look at what we liked and didn't like in the last... Uh, seven days of professional wrestling. We look at it this day in wrestling history sort of thing. And we also assign some stuff to each other. Old stuff, weird stuff, painful stuff in Adam's regard. Uh, but check out my Patreon. If you enjoyed me here and you would like me talking about more different things than wrestling, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. There's a dollar option, there's a five dollar option. Either of those two options are going to get you the two shows I do extra month. One is previewing the past, where myself and Todd, my co-host on Longbox Heroes, we look at the previews catalog 30 years ago to the month that we're talking about. And whether you're a comic book fan today, the era that we're talking about, you probably remember um you know whether it be that first todd McFarlane spider-man rob liefeld's x-force number one uh the jim lee number one x-men comic that had the five different covers that's the era that we're in right now uh we're creeping up we're maybe about three years away from image comics becoming a thing and then we're another couple months after that of the death of superman and it's just so interesting to look back at like a physical catalog uh, line by line, item by item, to see what was going on in the comic book industry at the time, 30 years ago. The other one is six never seen movies, I've assigned Todd six movies he's never seen, he's assigned me six movies I've never seen, and it's such a wide variety variety of movies, uh, everything is crazy from, like, Dick Tracy, I know Todd is gonna be assigning me The Matrix coming up later this, uh, month, and this, or this year, this comes out Wednesday, Thursday,
3: uh, this will be out, uh, actually, probably Monday night. It it also oh. releases on Pro Wrestling Ponderings on usually thir- Wednesday, Thursdays, depending.
0: Okay, okay, so, because um, I had the Pro Wrestling Ponderings uh, thing in my text file of RSS feeds. So on this week's show, I'm going to reveal uh, what movies I'm going to assign Todd next, and... I don't want to give too much away of what it's going to be because I do like a bit, I'm going to do a bit on the podcast, but let's just say one of the movies that I have lined up is one of the more graphic 80s slasher movies of all time and I am a huge horror slasher fan and Todd is not. I think Todd has seen five horror movies in his entire life. And if it just happens to be the one that I get to assign to him next, I'm very excited to see uh, what he's going to think of it. Uh, I think he's going to hate it, and I'm not doing it on purpose. Uh, I genuinely love this movie. I genuinely love the movies that I assign him, whether it be Rocky Horror Picture Show, Ed Wood, uh, Dick Tracy, anything like that. These are movies I genuinely love, and then he signs me trash, like weird seventies <laughs> and eighties made-for-TV movies that no one's heard of.
3: Is one of the movies The Burning?
0: No, but that's a great choice. <laughs> I think I think The Burning is a little bit too uh, a little too mainstream uh, to to like save for like that one-two punch to okay. get Todd with. Okay, but like I, like listen, uh, movies like the uh, The Burning, Prowler. These are all. Great choices to show someone who's never seen horror movies to really like give them what for. But I, I got I got a humdinger. Oh man! I'll tell you off air. I'll Uh, tell you off air. Okay. All
3: right, Jayhawk.
2: Follow me on Twitter at refjayhawk. Follow me on Instagram jayhawk1539. Twitch twitch.tv forward slash refjayhawk. I don't have any actual wrestling booking coming up in the in the next three weeks or so. I will be at the Call of Fire Alley Club in September. Probably working the two show complicated with that, and then I've got RAPW on September eighteenth and Championship Wrestling Strong Style on September nineteenth coming up with my next booking. I got like four in a week in September,
0: and have I have nothing in between now and then. It's hot now. You don't want to be inside now. You don't want to be doing yeah. stuff. It's too hot.
2: Yeah, but I, but I, but, I, but I want but I want to do some, some wrestling stuff, and I want to get paid for it. go so. touche, touche. I'm also looking into doing more podcast content. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge.
3: Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to us, and don't forget about our merch store over at whatamaneuver.net. Check out our podcast friends, Wrestling Cheers, Pod Van Dam, the Super Fantastic Podcast, If You Catch My Grift, and At Odds With Wrestling. Check out our other friends, pwponderings.com, Big Starks Brand, Set Tab Photos, Smoke and Jay's Barbecue, KFape Collectibles. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at charlie__butters, and you can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram, at IWTVguide. Talk to you next week, everyone.
1: You got the touch. You got the power.